On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, it is our 100th episode special. Aaron Judge is red hot yet again. We also talk about the red hot Arizona Diamondbacks. And would Shohei Otani be better off in the outfield and coming out of the bullpen? And Travis and I also take a deep dive into our updated all MLB teams through the month of May. Find out our picks for each position and the player of the month coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, listeners, to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex and I are coming to you this fine Thursday, June 1st day. AJ, this is our 100th episode. Yes, sir. Let me give you a little cheers for that, all right? Crack it open. Cheers. 100, big milestone for the podcast, of course. Um, Travis, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm honestly impressed with us. I think a hundred, you know, of these episodes, they're all like over an hour, sometimes over two hours, you yes. know, it's, 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 it's no small feat, you know, a wise man once told me, uh, you don't know what your podcast is all about until you reach your 100th episode. And I still don't know what we're all about. Still Alex. don't know what we're about. That we've, was... been, we've been, we've been transitioning to NFL, NBA, college football. No, but our main stuff is baseball right now. So. Uh, today's episode, Alex and I will share with you our top 100 players of all time. Just kidding. We won't throw you guys at that because that would be, that might take, uh, that may be five hours. That might, yeah, that might take a little too long. So we'll keep it, uh, short and sweet today. Um, but it is June 1st. So we are two months into the baseball season, the 2023 campaign. So that usually means Alex and I will be sharing with you guys all our, all MLB team so far of 2023 go through some surprising stories so far at the MLB season. I, I will say, Alex, it is a very unusual year. I mean, going even going over some of these top players at every position, um, looking at the standings. I mean, man, there are a lot of surprising teams I would have never thought of would have been in this spot come June 1st or near the 500 mark over the 500 mark. So it's going to be a fun episode to talk about all that. Um, first thing I will ask today is. Um, I did hear a couple days ago, I think it was either on another podcast, but um, I kind of wanted to start with us going over, I guess, looking at all 30 teams, give me your biggest surprise so far through um, through the season. And I want you to start with, you know, your surprising team that is in a good way and a surprising team in a bad way. So uh, pick two teams if you can to narrow it down. And, two each, uh, uh, two for each, or uh, one for each. Okay, one for each. So just give me your your surprising team in a good way and surprising team in a bad way that uh, that you've noticed through God. What we're almost sixty games in, so uh, I'll let you start it off. Yeah, I'm gonna steal the gimme, Travis, um, for surprise in a bad way. I think it's gonna be the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, uh, they're currently twenty five and thirty two coming into today. Five games back in their division. Actually, Travis, they're trending in a better way. I mean, there's still seven. They said they did have to win seven in a row to get back to 500. But um, I think they've had a kind of a tough strength of schedule combined with their run differentials. Actually, not terrible. It's just more of a 
you know, really, really poor start is going to be hard for them to climb out of. But they're still, you know, uh, so far back in their division. They could still potentially come back if they just play really good ball for the next, you know, three straight months and just, you know, slowly climb their way back, you know, maybe aggressive at the trade deadline, stuff like that. Uh, I think Arenado was due to do a bit better than he was um, in the first month. You know, I think some of these guys are naturally going to turn things around, but the pitching uh, has never been uh, very good, in my opinion, from the day that uh, the opening day rosters came out. It was just like, this is all you guys were able to put together. But, you know, there's some other stories around the league that are pretty uh, depressing, but the Cardinals are definitely one of the bigger surprises considering almost everybody, I think almost every analyst would have had them penciled in to win the division, even though I think I picked Milwaukee going into the year. Um, but if I had to pick a team that was uh, in a positive way the most surprising there's another a couple ways I could go I'll go ahead and go with the Baltimore Orioles um, mainly just because 35 and 21 is really impressive there's still four games behind Tampa Bay but to be second in a to be second in a division where everyone is above 500 um, all five teams above 500 is pretty impressive in my opinion. Also, um, worth noting just that they've been able to, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of headlines are with, you know, judge or with like Boston actually has a pretty good lineup and Toronto has a lot of special performers and for Baltimore to be above those three teams, uh, is pretty, is pretty impressive to me. I'm not sure if they'll last in that position because the Yankees are just two games behind them, Toronto, six games behind them, you know, I'm, and then I expect the American league wildcard race to be somewhat competitive considering Texas seems like they're not really a fluke. Houston, um, is kind of slowly climbing back into that AL West race. Angels, I think are just two games above 500 as are the Mariners. So there's definitely just, uh, a lot of action going on in the American League wild card race. So um, some of those teams could potentially catch Baltimore. I'm not sure if they will. Uh, but being that far ahead of 500 for Baltimore, I think was something that no one was really predicting um, two months into the season this year. So I'll go with those two teams, Travis. Which are your two surprises? Yeah, two, uh, two good picks when you look at both those teams, how they're trending in different directions. But uh, for me, for the... Uh, for the team that's actually been on a, a, just a just a surprising and depressing start to this year, um, I'm going to go with the San Diego Padres. Uh, last year, NLCS, you know, having the momentum in the off season, having again an another stellar off season, they just have not come out hot yet. I mean, they right now are looking at a 25 and 30 record, so five games back from 500. They're eight games out of the division right now, and that's what their goal was this year: was to win that National League West, not have to go through the whole wild card um, uh, round again, and to you know hopefully even secure a uh, a first round buy and possibly even just home field. Uh, advantage for uh, the playoffs or for a good majority of the playoffs but it, with all the stars they have on their team right now you know adding Bogarts getting Tatis back having Soto and then the pitching staff Darvish Musgrove Blake Snell just a couple names to uh to throw out it's 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 just not clicking so far for them and it is a surprise when you are fourth place in the western um NL West division uh, behind the San Francisco Giants, it just it doesn't make any sense. And so that's one team that is so far on a just a very surprising uh, uh, 
turnout so far this year. I, I would have expected them to be, you know, probably like a top five NL team so far uh, to start the season off. But they are five games under 500, eight games back of the division. And right now, uh, I'm not too sure what they are in the wild card, but they're, I think they're about five games or so back of, yeah. uh, of a wild card I, spot. I just checked. Coming into today, they're, I mean, I completely agree that they are not even close to meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. But I think the wild card race, it's it's going to be maybe a bit weaker than we thought in the NL just because Phillies are not off to a good start of the season. Um, the Cardinals aren't either, nor the Cubs. So if you just kind of predict Pittsburgh to fall off as well, then the Central might have zero yep. wild card representation. So it's really the the Padres have to kind of just catch up with – um, either Arizona or the Mets, they'd they, they be in that mix, right? If, yes, if, if yeah. Miami, Pittsburgh fall out and, and the Giants, then the Padres can kind of sleep their way to a sixth seed, which I know that's not the dream. You want to be more competitive than what they have been. But I think going into today, they're about two and a half games outside of the wild card. And teams ahead of them like San Fran, Miami, and Pittsburgh all feel really catchable. Yes. So I think if I was a Padres fan, I would say, you know, this has been a really terrible start, not what we wanted at all. But, you know, pedal to the metal. Tatis hasn't wasn't there for the first, you know, couple weeks. And let's really just try to catch a groove in the middle of the year. But um, I do like the pick because being fourth in that division is not what they wanted at all. Yeah, and, and definitely well stated, Alex. I mean, both the Cardinals and the Padres, they still have a lot of breathing room. Uh, the Central is not a strong division. So, you know, only five games back to start June 1st. I mean, you're looking at four months, I think, until... October so almost you tell the Cardinals if you can make up one and a half games every month then you are you know hypothetically looking at the at a division you know or a division winning uh year so right uh both teams still have breathing room but it just is a disappointing start for both teams I wanted to throw out the Padres just being that um, there's just so much hype and and the and the playoff excitement they brought to us last year it's just not showing so far in 2023 uh the one team I will throw out that is surprising in in a good way, uh, that is the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I know we'll cover a little bit later uh, in the podcast uh, on the Arizona Diamondbacks, but Alex, they just won their 34th game today. They are tied with the Dodgers for the National League West. They are tied with the Dodgers for the best record in the National League. So June 1st, you told me Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be one of the top teams in the National League. Um to me, that would just be a crazy thought. And and they are standing there right now today, uh, getting contributions from so many guys. But uh, I know we'll talk about them later, but I just wanted to throw them out there right there. Both teams coming from the National League West uh, being the biggest surprises. There are tons of other ones as well. You know, the Rangers have been very good. Detroit still keeping up with the Twins. Uh, Baltimore, like you mentioned, I mean, they, they are a very strong team right now. It, it almost feels like Baltimore is just like a a shoe in for a wild card spot right now. Nobody else I think can, uh, it doesn't feel like nobody else can really over overcome and take them down. So, uh, there's a couple of surprising teams. Miami's been a surprise as well, how good they've been, but, um, Arizona, I mean, talk about just how, how good it's been to be an Arizona Dimebacks fan over the last, you know, 60 games or so, but, um, we'll, anything we'll, else to add? Yeah, we'll just stay there because, uh, at one point I wanted to bring up, the fact that just today it was kind of, you know, I saw about a dozen tweets after the Diamondbacks won their game that they are now tied for the lead in the National League. Um, like you brought up, it's obviously super impressive. Not really what 
even the most optimistic Diamondbacks fans probably didn't think they'd be tied with the Dodgers to lead the National League through two months of the season. So just to give them an extra bit of a highlight, just to kind of talk about the season they're having, you know, Corbin Carroll, Travis, I mean, I wouldn't say MVP season unless something goes crazy, but he's going to be getting MVP votes. He's already at 144 OPS plus. He has nine home runs. Uh, he has 16 stolen bases. Uh, he has a 2.0 baseball reference war, which leads his team. And just being a couple months into the year, Travis, I mean, that could end up being a 5-6, maybe even closer to 7 war season if he finishes the year well. So lots of, uh, you know, I, I think he's pretty much living up to the hype is what I'm trying to say. Yep. And then looking at the other guys, Cattell Marte is back to being um, a a quality producer for them gallon we'll get to him later on in the episode because he's pitching like one of the best pitchers in baseball lourdes goriel had a really monster month um this last month he's got his ops plus all the way up to 146 in the season but i think in the month of may he was absolutely crushing and yeah you, you each go down the line and all these guys in their team are between one and two war it's like they just kind of got a lot of guys contributing more than i think even optimistic fans would have uh, predicted so a lot to like there you even got longoria contributing um i think he homered just the other day so a, a lot to like with uh, some of the young bats i think they should really i mean even though they have a really good shot at the postseason this year i think i said it in one of our previous episodes i really think they should focus on if they can just get a couple more young pieces that kind of match up with this um kind of young group that they're putting together they have a lot of young pitchers they have a lot of uh young bats that I think they can continue to kind of build around. So they're really fun. But Travis, I'll just ask you before moving on, do you think they can keep the pace? Not necessarily, I'm not saying can they, you know, win the NL West or can they, uh, you know, be a division winner, but do you think that at the very least they are a legitimate team this year, 2023, to be, you know, firmly in the playoffs, you know, winning a wild card round, being a threat to the big teams in the playoffs. Do you see that happening this year? Yeah, we, I mean, we see it every year with teams getting hot in the first couple of months. Um, I, I see the Diamondbacks flirting with like an 80-win season, and I don't think that's going to be enough to get into the playoffs. Um, so far, again, off to a great start. They have terrific young uh, producers right now. I mean, you mentioned Corbin Carroll, I think, on our first episode uh, before this season started uh, about eight weeks ago, um, I threw out Corbin Carroll, I think had it's like plus 25,000 for MVP odds. And when you're putting up numbers like he is, and you have the war to back it up, which he's going to have probably, you know, probably even a six plus war, that's going to get you some MVP uh, consideration right then and there. So um, just looking at his numbers, he, he's been such a sole contributor being a 22 year old, uh, you know, already an OPS plus of 144, just being a huge impactful player for that team. But so many guys are stepping up. I really like that trade right now with the Blue Jays that Diamondbacks did with acquiring Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. Uh, those two guys are are proven to be be good uh, role players on this team. But just looking at the overall Diamondbacks, uh, you know, uh, organization this year, I don't see them. Uh, it's kind of funny because baseball reference has them at a 75 percent I, I, I was about to say yeah they a lot of people are liking them right this year but i don't know i just don't uh I, i'm not 100 percent buying in that they can be a playoff team i still have to see that the padres and the cardinals if they just 
can't pick up the pace, then yeah, the Diamondbacks can definitely be a be a team like that. But I just think that the Brewers, Cardinals, uh, Dodgers, Padres, Mets, Braves are just there's just a lot of good teams in the National League that I think that um, can kind of turn this thing around and uh, can find themselves in a better shot to to make the playoffs or get a wild card spot. So I say that they will possibly just miss it, but I think it's going to come down to. Um, you know, trade deadline. I mean, if if the Padres are going to be another aggressive team and another aggressive year in the trade market, then that's going to hurt the Diamondbacks' chances. If they want to go out there and possibly give up maybe some young pieces or some valuable pieces for, uh, you know, maybe some guys in the uh, in the trade market, then yes, I can see them uh, really pushing through to a playoff spot. But yeah, I right now I, I would say no. Um, I think again, I think you know, looking back at. at uh, before the season started, we probably thought, you know, Arizona could be 75 to 80 wins. You know, it could possibly be that that that's 80 wins is probably looking at like a ceiling right now. But I think that's a really good shot. But in terms of making the playoffs, uh hate to break it, but I just I don't think so. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we said with the Padres, it really it could just come down to the wire in the NL uh, wild card race. I mean, I expect to see. Padres uh, in that mix at the end of the season. I expect to see the Diamondbacks at least pushing for that, being in that mix. And then it comes down to, you know, the Mets, I expect them to be there too. And then it just, can the Cardinals figure it out? Um, can the Padres figure it out? Will the Giants fall out? You know, just kind of these kind of questions that we'll have to wait and see. But uh, Travis, that does it for, for the Diamondbacks for me. Um, I have a fun kind of question, a tweet that I wanted to ask you about and it's just a little bit of a sidetrack here a bit of a step away from uh what's currently going on in the league it's more of like a bit of a historical question but mlb network tweeted this out um about a week ago and uh we haven't had an episode since this was tweeted and i wanted just to ask you um live on the air and i'll give you some time to kind of talk us through your answer but they asked uh, on twitter who is the best lefty hitter since bonds and griffey and so, you know, we're talking pretty much 90s to now. There's a handful of guys that come to mind. And then if you could just talk us through who you think is in this conversation. And my first note is that I think this Griffey gets so much love and Bonds gets so much hate. But Bonds and Griffey were not that comparable, in my opinion. Griffey mm -hmm. was an all-time great player, but Bonds was probably the best hitter of all time. Yeah, so yeah. I'd um, say Griffey, great, I would just say great who, player. Uh, Bonds, great player, but Bonds just, I mean elite hitter yeah and so it's funny to say like i was just pretty much revised to say who is the best lefty hitter since bonds and i would say 90s to now like who are you who comes to mind first and who would you land on as, as your best lefty hitter since bonds yeah tough one um you know a couple of names come or uh, you know yeah a couple of players come to mind you know i think of like avado uh prince fielder uh david ortiz obviously comes to mind as well um just going back there's so many um great right-handed hitters going through the years um but yeah that's uh yeah way to put the, on the spot the, 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 those are the guys that come up yeah what i did was on, on stat head, i will say here my final answer though alex i probably will say bryce harper yeah i think bryce harper is probably I like one, that of, one answer. of my best one because uh he's he, he's got the flair for the dramatic you know in the playoffs and also um in the regular season he's got multiple mvps um you know, some of these guys have their strengths and weaknesses, like, you know, looking at uh, Votto. Votto, great on base guy, not the best power slugger guy, 
um, as a guy like Harper, but uh, I think Harper kind of has the whole package. You know, in his earlier days, he was able to hit for average. Um, nowadays, you know, when he's playing, he's still, he's just, you know, just an all-time great slugger. I was a little bit skeptical of him in, you know, in terms of will he be a Hall of Famer? I think that is, I think he is, he's pretty close to uh, knocking and opening that door to the Hall of Fame right now. I, I feel like he's put up such a great career so far and it's not over with. Um, I'll probably go with Bryce Harper being the complete package. I like that answer. I like that answer. But um, there are people lurking. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of names in the mix, and I'll just highlight a couple of them. So what I did on on Stathead, Travis, you're able to kind of do all these cool filters and kind of figure out, make lists of things you're interested in, stats you want to highlight. So what I did was I just looked at these are all left-handed hitters. I put the start the start date as 1990. So maybe you're including Bonds' contemporaries as well as the guys who came after him. Um, so it's 1990 to now left-handed hitters. Um, and then it's OPS plus, okay. uh, is my filter. Okay. So bonds is in the lead by far, Travis, 195 yeah. OPS yeah. plus the next closest is 163. That's Jordan Alvarez. Okay. Obviously he's in a really small sample size. He's only been playing since 2019. He only has, he only has 417 career games played. Not that many at all, so it's hard to put him up with these other names, but he definitely is someone who could be in this conversation five years, ten years from now for sure. The third best OPS plus um, since 1990 to now from a lefty is Juan Soto, same as Alvarez. I don't think he has enough games played to really be in this conversation, but I think just on a skills basis, Juan Soto, he almost deserves to be mentioned, right? Just because he is definitely. he is so young, but to be... As good of a hitter as he is, we know his skill set will probably age well because he's a great eye, hits the ball hard, uh, and when he's at his best, he's the best hitter in baseball probably. Um, and then after that, it goes Jim Tomey, Joey Votto, Bryce Harper. So, And those guys are all just like neck and neck OPS plus, 147, 145, mm -hmm. 143. So those are like, I think those are the three answers that make the most sense. Like Tomey, only a couple years um, younger than Bonds. Um, in terms of when they debuted, um, Vado much more of like the modern, like, you know, 21st century lefty kind of big name Harper, like the 2010s kind of guy for sure. I um, mean, after that, you get into guys like Larry Walker, big poppy, Freddie Freeman, um, and then Shohei's down there at 12th and the list kind of goes on, but, um, it, it, it's just a fun list and it's a fun uh, topic because, the first few guys that come to my mind is like the best hitter since Bonds are all righties like Pools, Trout, Miguel Cabrera. A lot of the go-to names in my head are righties. So to focus on lefties like Bonds and Griffey were, um, it was fun for me. But um, that pretty much does it on that. Totally, totally forgot about Tommy. To and and <laughs> it's tricky because he played yeah. a lot in the 90s as well. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I was strictly thinking like tw 2001 to now, and yes. I was like, man, like I just totally yeah, stumped but, me off right there. Yeah. But, but yeah, 612 homers in Tommy's career is a huge number, um, over a 400 career on base for him. So he just a really just a, a true like modern day, just absolute slugger. Um, over over 10,000 career plate appearances for Tommy. He yeah. was a total Ironman, played till he was 41 as well. So um, a guy we both like, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, looking at the future, I mean, I, I think some some big names I'll point out. Yes, Soto is definitely on that list. Jordan is definitely on that list. Um, and then also guys like even like Rafael Devers, uh, just being such a good 
uh, slugger in the game. So there, there's a lot of names I think that could be pointed out as, uh, you know, left-handed bats to fear. Shohei Otani, of course, being another one. But um, and, and, you know, maybe Corbin Carroll, I mean, yeah. it's too early, but like maybe yeah. he's the next Larry Walker. Maybe he's got that kind of, you know, five-tool nature to his game as an outfielder. Um, there's lots of fun guys to kind of think about. Um, you know, we didn't mention Helton. We didn't mention Tony Gwynn, all different types of hitters all over the place. So, um, it's a fun conversation for sure. Um, I would say if, I would say if, uh, if uh, Freeman ages well, he could end up in the conversation as well if he can continue to be effective into his mid and late 30s. But um, Travis, let's keep it rolling here. Let's get back to a bit more of an on-topic question that I wanted to bring up. This was something I saw um, this morning. I think it was a segment yesterday on intentional talk on MLB Network. I wanted to float the idea to you of what they brought up. I think this was brought up by ryan dempster um in a a conversation with uh with kevin millar but uh i think dempster had this thought and i don't know if i agree i want to see if you agree and then we'll have a small discussion but he said that he thinks otani might be more valuable if he switched from being a starter slash dh to an outfielder slash relief pitcher and so it's kind of a really tricky one because you're saying you're going to be pitching less often, but in probably higher leverage spots being in the bullpen. But then you sacrifice, you you get the additional defense and you kind of assume he's going to be a really plus defender because he's going to have a great arm and great speed in the outfield. Maybe he'd be kind of like a left-handed, I don't know, a Ronald Acuna in right field or maybe a left-handed judge with more speed. So, um, you know, I, I'm just kind of wondering what... what or, obviously he's a right-handed fielder, but um, yeah. I, I kind of want to know your thoughts on that idea. Cause when I saw it, it jumped out to me. I bookmarked the tweet. And I was like, I have to think about this some mm-hmm. more, but give me your thoughts. Initially. I, I probably disagree. Um, putting him in that role just skyrockets his chance of getting hurt. And if he's hurt and not playing his value zero and seeing him where he's at now, just DHing not worrying about playing the field, you know, going after gap shots, gap shots that are uh, that he has to defend and, and and make the play on or, you know, even, you know, catching a fly ball and making a throw to third base or making a throw to home plate, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, we've, we've seen so many injuries at the warning track. You know, last year, Taylor Ward got hurt, was not him, his same self throughout the season. Things like that, that could really just kind of cost a player, uh, you know, 100 games or so for the rest of the season. And and I, I will say, I think right now with what we're seeing with Shohei, I think being the starting pitcher and also being the DH, yeah, the DH spot might be kind of hurtful because he's only hitting if he goes over four with one night uh, with three strikeouts. It's kind of, you know, it's almost a negative on his total value because he really didn't do anything. He's also a DH. But I think that what he's doing now is, is, is a, it's, it's a trade-off. But I think that, starting every fifth or sixth day and then DHing every day as well. I think that is, um, in my head, I think that's going to be a little bit more of a value um, added to a, to a player. I, that, that's the way I think of it. I love seeing him come out of the bullpen. I mean, we, we got the treat of it in, uh, in the World Baseball Classic. That was so cool. And if Shohei came out of the bullpen uh, tomorrow, uh, I think he would be the best closer in Major League Baseball. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. But uh, I think that the value of being the starting pitcher and how good he is and the strikeouts he provides at, at the starting pitcher role, um, I'm sure we'll cover him later on, but uh, I think that that value is just so uh, 
so impressive and just it almost can't be measured at sometimes when you look at that DH spot and then the pitching role. And we've seen so many games that he has had almost near cycles during his start days. And it's I, I really I, I want to see what the war after that game is because it's almost feel it almost feels like he should be giving like a one and a half one point five war added to his uh, you know war for the season when he goes and does that on those kind of starts. So um, that's kind of how I'll end it. But I just think that you know. If he was a closer, you might not see him for a week. You might not see him for a couple of days. I mean, last year, the Angels, I mean, go on a 14-game losing streak. Imagine if you didn't see Shohei for two weeks pitching, and then he's also playing the field. Um, yeah, there might be some big plays in the outfield, some good defensive plays, but you might not see him pitch for uh, for a really long time. And so uh, that's kind of the way I, I, I look at it, Alex. Yeah, I think we agree. Uh, when I first saw the tweet, my first thought was the same as yours. I don't like... Um, removing him from the starting role. I will say this. I think some of it depends on the team's needs. With the Angels specifically right now, Travis, there's not a need for an outfielder. I mean, even if you aren't happy with Ward, you have Moniak, um, Renfro, Trout. Um, even Adele has the most home runs in AAA if you wanted to call him up. Um, there's depth options. Even some of our utility guys um, have played the outfield before, like Drury and such. So I do think that there's just not this need for him out there. You could argue there's a need for him in the bullpen, Travis, but I, if he wasn't in our rotation... I think that'd be the most devastating aspect, yeah. pulling him out of that role where he's able to put up, you know, scion caliber starts um, pretty much every week. I, that, that's that's where I think he brings the most value to our team at the moment. Um, he's going to be in the, in the lineup no matter what, but I think having him as a, a starter once a week is the is the biggest key for um, the value he provides to the Angels at this current moment. I could see there being a team in the future where maybe halfway through the year. Um, maybe they just have great starting pitching depth and they just have options like and for some reason a couple outfitters go down with injury. I could see it making sense in some situations, but the last thing I'll add is this. He was absolutely lights out awesome in the World Baseball Classic final to get that save. Um, I do think this though, when we maybe maybe he would adjust his approach if he had got a different role, but Travis, we watch all the Otani starts, right? Sometimes the first inning is a little rocky. He, I think he's kind of a guy who gets in his groove, in my opinion. Yes. He really finds his stride and then will just blow through the lineup second or third time through. But the first time through, sometimes guys will get to him. Uh, it might be a lack of control. Maybe some walks in the first inning has been a kind of a common trend this season. So I'm not too sure that in a one-inning stretch, high leverage, that he is already built for that role right it might yeah. take some practice some conditioning some getting used to um having having you know 20 25 30 pitches max to prove yourself whereas i think sometimes in a start he might have not a great first 25 pitches but then he's gonna make his way to 100 and when it's all said and done it's gonna be two runs allowed three at most probably um you know eight plus strikeout it's gonna be a great outing so that's kind of where I stand with that. The value of a starter compared to a reliever is pretty night and day, in my opinion. Obviously, if he's playing gold glove caliber defense in outfield, um, it might change the conversation a bit, but that's not a given either, right? So um, it was a fun topic, though, to bring up. I just had to kind of get your thoughts as someone who watches Otani so much. Um, and Travis. And, and, and even pointing out, you know, even looking at like all-time great Mariano, Mariano Rivera, um, best closer ever, you know, Looking at war, 56.3.
look at the best pitcher of all time. I, I don't know. You can go to a bunch of different people, but uh, some of the best pitchers are, are racking up, you know, over 100, over 110, 120 wars for their career. Right. So you look at the value right then and there. I mean, easy enough. It, it, the pitcher is more valuable than the closer. So. Yeah, agreed. Agreed on that for sure. And even though, you know, the best right fielder is going to be more viable than the best DH, yes. I think the gap between the starting pitcher and the reliever is the bigger gap because the starter can add so much value to a game, especially since, you know, like I've been kind of claiming, uh, I'm not sure he's on Cy Young pace right now. He's had a couple rough starts, but um, the Cy Young potential he brings to every start um, for me, being a true ace in a rotation is the most valuable thing he provides at the moment. Um, given the bat would be the same either way. So, and also, there's it brings this other complication of imagine he's playing right field. All of a sudden, maybe say the Angels are up by four going into the last inning, or up by five. All of a sudden, we give up a two, three run home run. Oh, Tony, go run to the bullpen. We'll do a defensive sub. Go run to the bullpen and get warmed up for the bottom of the ninth or whatever. It's like yep. that brings this whole other level of kind of confusion to the plate that um, I don't think makes a whole lot of sense. It would make managing him really tough. I'll say this. Angels, in my mind, have done a great job managing him, letting him start when he wants to start as much as he wants to start. Let him play as much as he wants. If he was going out of the pen, though, that's a whole other kind of variable into the equation that I don't even want to try to figure out. So, yeah. We'll keep it rolling, Travis. Um, just a couple more things I had in mind before we get into our all MLB teams at the moment. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is currently Zach Neto, Travis, um, another Angels topic. Uh, he has been quite impressive in my mind. And I wanted to ask you, um, based on his current level of play, where do you kind of see him as a shortstop in MLB? I think his defense has proven time and time again to be incredibly valuable. And the bat is around uh, average. I think last time I checked, it was above average. So I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on his ability to kind of, you know, when this season's over, could you view him as potentially a top 15 top 10 shortstop in the game at the moment um just given his rookie year i think already a bit more impressive in my mind than guys like volpe um guys across the league bobby witt maybe i think these are the other guys who might you might think is the next best young shortstop upcoming but i think neto has proven already um to have the the, the tool set the skill set to be in that conversation, if not above some of those guys, what, what's your thought? Yeah, I think the glove is already putting him in a top 15 spot. Um, I, I'd be surprised if he, you know, doesn't take home gold glove at the end of the season. Alex, it's been it's been just in, impressive to watch this guy and the plays he's making. I mean, we were watching, I think, Monday night's game against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, two outs in the ninth. He makes a diving stop. Looks over to third. We thought he was going to throw to third base, but the IQ on Zach Neto is so high. He makes the smart decision, fires over to first base. I think I think his throws, Alex, are going like 95 miles an hour to first base. I mean, he's got a, a cannon at the shortstop position, uh, but makes the play, makes the diving play, um, throws over to first, final out the game. You know, the ball game's over. Uh, if that got through, things would have got dicey. Uh, things would have got close in the end for, uh, you know, the Angels uh, potentially blowing that game and losing it. But Zach Neto... Uh, basically saved the day and got the angels the dub that night with ending it but that's just one play one game over the course of the last i don't know 30 30 of oh, 40 games so far he's played the defense has been spectacular the offense has started to come around um i know the rookie numbers they're not gonna they're not gonna wow you but um 
he is he is producing major league baseball average when you look at some of these percentage numbers so not too concerned with that when you look at some of his other rookie counterparts volpe um he's definitely providing a um a, a better value overall than than a guy like volpe so um i think at the end of the year i think we could definitely look at someone like him being a top 15 um top 10 uh it gets a little bit more dicier it's such a uh it's it's such a talented spot in yes. the game right now um i don't know if i could see him being there as of at the end of the season but i think looking at his glove already being like i mentioned like um, probably a top three in the game i think it definitely opens that discussion for a top 15 at the end of the year but yeah i mean he, he's a guy that you 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 want to bring up on on these kind of podcasts and uh and talk about there is a funny uh, it went kind of viral, but uh, there was a uh, show, I think it was on MLB Network or on one of the uh, radio or one of the stations. Um, they were talking about angels and who should they go after. And I forget who it was saying, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, Tim Anderson should be traded to the angels because they need a shortstop. And uh, ever since then, you know, you see Neto making highlight plays after highlight plays and uh, just really proving. Uh, and I, I forget who the guys who said it, but um I think he was an ex MLB player, but uh, just just showing him that the Angels already have a shortstop and they have a shortstop for the future that's making these amazing plays and is going to, I think, progressively get better at the uh, at the hitting uh, position. So uh, not worried right now about that. But overall, Zach Neto, it's it's been uh, it's been a bright spot. Also being the first guy brought up in last year's draft in all MLB. It's crazy, Alex. I mean, I think we were, I think they were showing highlight films a couple of days ago and he was hitting, you know, home runs in in, uh, in in regional games for the NCAA. And right now he is already starting for the Los Angeles Angels at the MLB level. So it's crazy that 365 days later, he is already starting at the MLB um, level, which is just mind blowing. And I, I love that aggressiveness so far by the GM. Uh, Perry Manasian to uh, to if if he if he's ready if someone's ready bring him up let him be that spark for that team and ever since him and we've, we've been consistently staying above 500 I feel like so he's been just a really good role player yeah I think he has done an amazing job of kind of stepping up when called upon you mentioned he was the first guy to get called up in last year's draft class it's crazy Travis I think I read a tweet that Neto's team Campbell, I believe, uh, played against Ben Joyce's Tennessee. Yes. Mm -hmm. They played against each other. There, those two teams played against each other last June, like less than a year ago. They <laughs> yeah. were playing against each other in college, and now they already are on the same team on the same field in the big leagues. Seeing that quick of a turnaround from college to pro, in my mind, I haven't. I don't know if I've seen that in baseball before. I mean, yeah. at least not in the modern era where you have these really deep. Um, minor league systems and stuff but you know i think it was a first a first round pick in netto and i think the third round pick in uh, in joyce yep. um both sharing the field is pretty special uh, last point on netto i agree with what you're saying um the defense has been great Statcast has him uh top top 90 or 90th percentile in outs above average he's really good travis at not swinging at bad pitches for whatever reason the walk percentage hasn't really come around yet i think it's because he makes a lot of contact um a pretty pretty low walk rate but i'm at least glad that he's not chasing bad pitches he doesn't strike out too much um he swings and misses um better than average his barrel rate's about average so i think as he becomes a bit older and stronger and as he develops 
Um, I think his swing has proven um, he can hit line drives. Um, I think he's going to be a gap-to-gap guy. Definitely does have the home run capabilities, though, um, when he gets a hold of one. He hit one out uh, in left field in Cleveland for his first career homer, and that's that's a big wall out there. And to see that go out um, w- w- was a pretty big deal for me, knowing that you know he has that he has that pop um, when he does get it just right because there's some players who I feel like they're just warning track pop, like maybe like a David Fletcher type where no matter how hard he hits it, I feel like if it goes over the fence, it's barely going out. I don't see Fletcher hitting the ball over the left field in uh, <laughs> yep. in Cleveland, but I think a guy like Neto, he does have that extra level of exit velocity. It's not elite exit velocity, but it is good enough to be above average exit velocity, especially for a middle infielder who's giving you a great glove. Um, and good plate skills. So I'm I'm in love with him so far. I think he'll continue to be better and better. I have so much patience with him because, like I like we said, he's only 22. He was drafted. He was going to be playing college uh, less than a year ago. So hats off to what he's been doing so far. Um, Travis, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get into the all all MLB team, or shall we shall we just shall we just get into it? Yeah, nothing else. I'm excited to see uh, who we have for this uh, second uh, time around in our all MLB teams. Uh, last month it was uh, first months are always a surprise, Alex. I mean, we we basically go with the hot hands at um, at that first list. Um, things start to settle as they go along, but but I will say there are still some surprises as we go into month two for all MLB. Uh, you know looking at players that have been producing so far in the first two months, uh, you know, how impressive it's been. But uh, I say let's kick that off right now. Uh, I'll let you start with the catcher position, and then I'll give you mine. We can discuss where we were on uh, on our selections. Okay, then, Travis. Um, My catcher... I'm I'm, I'm scared already with that uh, that response. I wouldn't be too scared. I I think we're going to be in line here. I'm not 100%. Um, I'm going with Sean Murphy. Uh, I think there's a couple guys I had to consider, but when it was all said and done, I think Sean Murphy um, makes the most sense for me. Um, I could briefly get into the numbers real quick um, before throwing it over to you. Uh, right now, it's looking like he leads baseball. Oh, sorry, he leads Fangraphs War by quite a margin amongst catchers. He's at a 2.9 Fangraphs War. I think Will Smith's around a 2. Everyone else below that, uh, Heim, Brushman, Cal Raleigh, Contreras, all in the one, uh, between one and two war. So I like where Murphy's at, 11 home runs, above a 400 on base, a 571 slug. Um, He's just doing great offensively. Uh, I think probably the best offensive uh, catcher outside of Will Smith and then um, has actually really good defensive numbers according to Fangraph's defense. So... Um, a lot to like with Murphy, Travis. Are we in agreement here? We are in agreement. I, th- uh, I figured. Yeah, it's looking at it. Uh, Adley, you know, Adley's just pacing right behind him. I, I could see Adley sneaking his way on come July, August, possibly. But Sean Murphy with the start he's been on with the Braves. Um, it's just been such a spark because we knew he had the talent in Oakland and going to a team that already has so much talent, has the winning atmosphere i think that's really just ignited sean murphy to become what he is this season and 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 we're seeing it full scale so uh he is so far right now the all mlb catcher in my opinion for 2023 i'm glad we agree on that ops plus at 154 uh just just crazy numbers so far for a catcher so uh 
great, great start from him. Uh, it seemed like he had spurts of this, like I mentioned, in Oakland, but he's finally put it all together now. He's become like one complete player, which is so awesome to see because in Oakland it was like gold glove one season, the next season, you know, rookie of the year, had some good offense, but then it kind of died down a little bit. But it just seems like he's putting it all together right now. And and I, I definitely have a feeling that with that, atmosphere um with with the players around him that's only making him better so um that is the catcher spot alex let's get over to the uh, we'll do first and second base uh we'll just kick off those two the right side of the infield i'll go with mine uh so first base i have freddie freeman uh in second base i went with nolan gorman i'll let you share yours and then we can we can discuss why we uh went with those selections Couple of disagreements here, oh, Charis. Wow! And, and, all right, and, and I'm not too uh, I'm not too surprised by it. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say my guys. Number, or sorry, first base. I'm going with Yandy Diaz. Um, I do get the argument for Freeman. We'll get to that in a second. And for second base, I am going with Marcus Semien. So okay. two disagreements. I am. At, I am. The I'll first tell you, two. I'm very surprised with second base right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll do first base first, right? right. We'll, we'll go in order. Um, I totally see the argument for Freeman as a hitter. He's been great. Uh, the 346 average is special so far. The 420 on base is great as well, and actually a better slugging than Yandi. But um, WRC Plus does favor Yandi a bit. I assume it has to do with some park factors, the the places that they play. Um, Yandi does, you know, both guys I think have great uh, plate skills, right? They both are good at walking. Yandi a bit higher percentage. And then they're both really good at avoiding strikeouts for power hitters. And uh, Yandi actually a bit better, a bit lower of a strikeout percentage. So um, I do I do think Yandi is a sl- he's slightly a better hitter at the moment. Freddie had a monstrous um, May um, with just, I think, like a 400 average or something like that. Just yeah. balls balls in play. We're finding every hole imaginable. Um, but I think Yandi, you know, not a great defender, but a bit better than Freeman, according to Fangraphs. The war actually is advantage to Freeman on Fangraphs, but I think the offense, in my book, a bit better by Diaz. Um, I see the arguments for both 12 home runs Diaz versus 10 for Freeman. Freeman has eight steals, surprisingly. Yandi has none. So I really see the argument both ways, but at first base, I'm going to focus mainly on the bat. A little bit in the glove, and, and I like Yandi, but but make your case for Freddie. Yeah, I mean Freddie for me, um, currently right now leads uh, all MLB runs, leads NL in hits, leads all MLB in doubles, uh, leads the NL in OPS and OPS plus, and leads baseball in total bases. I like the batting average too, a three forty six. He's making great contact with also having a good on base at four twenty. Uh, surprisingly, I mean, one of his, I mean, you take away 2020, I mean, one of his best slugging uh, seasons so far, I know the sample sizes are way off from um, when you look at a full 150 or 60 game sample size. But um, I really thought that looking at last year, I thought that, you know, um, I thought Freeman was definitely going to die down in the slugging percentage category and be more focused on contact and on base. Um, but seeing it now that having the, uh, you know, su- having such a, a high amount of doubles and already at 10 home runs so far, it is reassuring that uh, he he will he will at least continue that trend, at least for the season so far, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, there are some percentage numbers Yandi is favored at. I also like that. Uh, I think Yandi did go on the IL. Um, 
for a couple of maybe a week or so. Uh, there, there was a big uh, split in the at bats so far from Yandi and Freeman. And I like that Freeman so far, uh, you know, has been playing most of the games. But I just think that uh, so far it's been a more of a complete uh, player. The war favors Freeman. Um, the OPS favors Freeman. Um, and some of these other counting stats do favor Freeman as well. Uh, Yandi is, of course, on another uh, un- unbelievable start so far. Um, I saw him crack a home run. I think it was a week, one week ago in the Bronx. And it like was like. 25 rows up like yeah just like line shots a line shot and i was just kind of like it's just it's you don't think of him as that kind of guy and so far this season he's he's having i mean right now he's probably looking at being the starting first baseman for the al all-star team right now um so that that that's you know that's already a good reward for him right there and a lot of these race players and i'll just throw this out there too travis i got him in our fantasy league off waiver about two weeks in so that just goes to show you how many gems you might be able to find in the first few weeks on fantasy waiver wires. But um, the biggest thing for Yandi for me, um, I feel like a lot of his quality of contact has been pretty, pretty deserved. And I'm not, and Travis, Freddie has proven over a decade that he is a elite hitter in contact, in uh, power in many ways, plate discipline as well. So he for sure is going to be in the same conversation as the best first baseman in baseball throughout the season. I have no doubts, but I think the th- the three forty six average is going to come down quite a bit. Um, I mean, who knows? He could still be in a batting title kind of race towards the end, but I would definitely expect it to drop into the three twenty, three ten at highest. Or sorry, at, at lowest, maybe three hundred. Um, he has a really high batting average on balls in play right now. Um, so I, I just feel like the slugging being so high is probably a product of the average being a little too high just because it's early days in the year still. I mean, two months in is a decent sample size, but um, same same with a guy like like Luis Arise, amongst other guys with high batting averages right now. Brandon Marsh still has a high batting average. Uh, I think those will continue to come down mm-hmm. um, as sample size grows. So I totally see the case for Freddie, though. He has been uh, one of the best hitters in baseball this season so far so i'm not going to complain so we'll go on to second base travis where it seems like we might have even more disagreements to discuss here why don't you make your case for gorman first and then i'll go ahead with Semyon. yeah uh and speaking of yandi being uh, a waiver pickup gorman was a waiver pickup for me there so you go <laughs> you find these diamonds in the rough but uh you know for me what gorman offers in the power category uh 13 home runs at the spot um, even though, you know, Marcus Simeon is a very good power hitting second baseman, the, uh, the OPS and the OPS plus numbers will favor Gorman in all those categories. Uh, Simeon does, does of course, though, have a, a good lead so far on the war category, uh, being like the overall player. I think Gorman gets actually a lot of reps at the DH spot. Yes. Uh, it does hurt the war. So for it does sure. hurt the war on that factor. So, uh, that's one way to look at it. But I, I do like Gorman being just the slugger he is at the second base spot. He's just such a fun player to watch. The exit velo numbers are very good for him. Uh, I think just the the overall slash numbers of the average on base slugging and overall OPS and OPS plus just really caught my eye. Um, that's why I'm giving Gorman the nod at the uh, second base spot as of right now. Looking at Simeon for my pick, Travis. I, you know, I was never a big Semyon guy. I, <laughs> exactly. I, That's why it's surprising right now. Yeah. But, but just looking at some of the things I'm seeing here, nothing that's completely blowing me away, but just a really, I would say, consistently good, um, bordering on great, a second baseman 
for the for the Texas Rangers so far, kind of under the radar. But I think the biggest thing that stands out to me, first of all, 97th percentile outs above average. He is one of the best defensive second basemen in baseball. Would I have ever predicted that? No, because I, I didn't think he was particularly uh, an elite uh, shortstop defensively with the A's. And then when he started playing second base for the Blue Jays that season, Travis, where he was like a silver slugger kind of yeah. candidate, he was a silver slugger type. And I think he won the gold glove. And he I did. was really upset because I thought Fletcher totally uh, beat him out with defensive runs saved, outs above average, all those kind of stats. But I think ever since the move to Texas, his second base defense has been very, very good. Also, very good speed. Uh, still um, age 32, but has not slowed down a beat. And then uh, really good plate skills as well. Avoid strikeouts, gets a decent amount of walks, doesn't swing at junk. These are some of the key things I look at for knowing what a guy, what is a plate approach is. And I like his plate approach quite a bit. The pop isn't crazy like a guy like Gorman, um, especially for a second baseman. I think it's still good enough though with eight home runs like you mentioned about average in the expected slugging hard hit stats um hits a lot of ground balls though with a low barrel rate so you know i'm not saying he's an elite bat by any means but he is in my mind a top i don't know top five top six like offensive second baseman yep. with the best defense by a gap for whatever reason I, i'm not i wasn't truly expecting that and then just as a cherry on top um let me see if he has the most played appearances. He does. He has the most played appearances of any second baseman in the league so far. So he is continuing to be an Iron Man, Travis. I think even back in his Oakland A's days, he was playing 162 games. You know, yep. he is someone who's there um, pretty much for every single start. Um, it's something that almost complements Corey Seager well because I feel like Corey Seager, his middle infield duo, more prone to injuries, more high highs and low lows, whereas Semyon is going to be a consistent, good, bordering on great middle infielder that's going to play almost every day. So I'm very impressed with Semyon's season so far. It's not been a crazy elite, but 295 average, 366 on base, 485 slugging. That's a very good slash line for a second baseman who's playing gold glove defense. So I went with Semyon. I get the arguments for other guys, but um, also the stolen bases at seven. Yep. Um, it, it's overall, I think, very impressive. I like it quite a bit. Um, that might be it on that. I'm not sure I have much yeah, else. I, I, I do like your pick as well because yep. the power that Gorman brings to second base is unlike anyone else at that spot, I feel like, especially being a lefty. Um, just kind of an unconventional second baseman, but he does he does DH quite a bit, like you mentioned. I think he does about half and half. But um, having that second base eligibility, um, total fantasy steal by you because <laughs> having a second baseman that brings that amount of pop to the equation is hard to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's one reason looking at him, uh, you love when you see those just uh, well those golden tickets just sitting there for uh, up for grabs and and nobody. Uh, Nobody seems to uh, to notice it, and you know, those kind of things can make or break a fantasy season. But uh, but yeah, so that that does it for the right side, Alex. Let's move over to the left side, the shortstop and third base position. Um, I think we'll be in a dis- I think we'll be disagreeing here, Alex. But I went with two teammates. Um, I went Boba Shett at shortstop. I went Matt Chapman at third base. Um, give me who you got, then we'll discuss. We agree on one. Okay. We agree on one. <laughs> it, it, and both of these were, were tough for me. Yes. So we'll talk about it. But 
Third base, I went with Matt Chapman, like you did. Shortstop. Wow, that's the one we agreed on. Yeah. Wow, okay. All surprised, right. Surprised? I, I was like already thinking that you were going to move on to third base that we knew Bo Bichette was going to be shortstop, but okay, all right. Shortstop, I'm going with Mr. Wander Franco. All right. So, uh, Leader all, in war, baseball offensive war right now in all MLB, so... I didn't even know that. So yeah. you're, you're helping my case. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. But, but Travis, let's just start with the agreement at third base real quick, just to get it out of the way. Third base is really funky this year because the very first, funky. the first thing I thought when looking at the leaderboards here, my first thought was the guys that aren't here, right? Jose Ramirez is not doing bad, but a 114 WRC plus, you know, that's got to be one of his worst seasons um, in his prime that he's kind of experiencing right now. Um, looking at other guys who aren't towards the top, Bregman is 10th in Fangraph's war, but he's only like a 104 WRC plus, pretty much an average hitter yeah, this season yeah. in, in, in Alex Bregman. Um, looking at other names you'd expect to be here, Austin Riley, not towards the top at all, 110 WRC plus, less than one war on Fangraphs. Ralphiel Devers, barely above 100 WRC plus, a 0.8 Fangraphs war below one. Actually, a negative offensive value according to Fangraphs. With I think um, like 17 home runs, which is just again that 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 in itself is pretty crazy. And then you're looking at Nolan Arenado. Um, he has been better at offense this month compared to last, but a 101 WRC plus, so he's an average hitter, giving you a great glove, of course, like always, but below one war. I mean, these are just guys who you expected to be in this conversation. Anthony Rendon, actually a surprisingly good but very weird bat, but he's also been hurt, so he just kind of throws himself out of the equation with that. But Rendon's line, 300, uh, 301 average, yep. 415 on base, so being really good at both contact and uh, play discipline. I'll give me the slug. But the slugging is 369, so yeah. he's completely <laughs> sacrificed his pop for contact and also walks, which, um, it, Travis, it, it, it reminds me of the dodgeball, you know, bold move. Let's see if it pays off for him. So yeah. I'm not sure if he gets a healthy second half what the offense will end up looking like. I love the on base. I wish there was more coming from that slugging spot. If the slugging doesn't get any better, I don't like him batting cleanup, how he kind of has been cleanup for the Angels for quite a while now. Maybe either, I mean, dare I say a bit of leadoff if the contact and on base will be that high, but the speed's not there, we know. So maybe even fifth or sixth in the order. I'm not too sure um, about him. But let's focus on the guys that we wanted to highlight uh, at the top there, Travis. Um, Matt Chapman. He leads in Fangraph's war for third baseman. He is one of the best hitters still thus far in terms of his WRC+. Plus. In terms of just overall the stats, the average on-base slugging, um, it's just better than most of these other guys. The thing that made me almost not pick him is I do truly feel like um, there's been a lot of batted ball luck. It almost tricked me into going um, some different directions here. I almost went with Max Muncy, who has... Worst yeah. numbers across the board, except for the power. 17 home runs is big for Muncie. Um, but I, I'll, I'll just save it, Travis, and just 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 write a sticky note down, listeners. Alex's July uh, third baseman is probably going to be Max Muncie. Just put that on a sticky <laughs> note. I feel very good about how Muncie is trending, even though he may have cooled off a bit. I think a lot of that is going to result in a big bounce back. Based on what I'm seeing here, I think Matt Chapman will kind of continue 
to slip a bit. Uh, just getting a lot of luck with the balls in play. Muncie has been an elite uh, walk guy, something I always look for, of course. So g- give me your mi- biggest reason why you went with Chapman, and did anyone else even cross your mind? Yeah, yeah, it was Chapman, and I will say my, my July guy, Alex. Uh, Muncie is one of the guys I was going to say is, is on the board, but uh, Josh Young of the yes. Texas Rangers. Um Putting, rookie, putting rookie. together a stellar rookie season, uh, a 137 OPS plus. He's got a better OPS plus uh, in, in the general category than, than Matt Chapman, uh, an 872, almost knocking on 900 right now. Uh, good batting average, decent on base, really good slugging percentage right now. He's got 12 home runs on the year and a two baseball reference war. So he's one guy I did want to throw out there as a... Uh, uh, a tough second place, in my opinion, behind Chapman. But I just figured Chapman with the war, the 2.6, the defense is already going to be there. Uh, also looking just at the, you know, the, the slash line is not outstanding, but it's definitely still honorable to mention when you look at the uh, OPS plus being a 139, almost cracking a 150 with the defense that he brings. Uh, he is he is a, a pretty uh, complete third baseman, in my opinion. So, I want to give him that nod, but uh, it just feels like Matt Chapman, you know, he, he he has all the tools to kind of, you know, be in this top five category at third base, but I feel like they're always, always kind of trails off at the end of the season, you know, doesn't always end the year with a, uh, a, you know, a super high, you know, batting average or even sometimes even an on base uh, slugging is usually always around 500, but the OPS numbers are typically never like, you know, a, a big wow, in my opinion. And, and what's funny is I thought the same thing when we made this list, third base. What are, what where are the guys that I would be looking at right now? Machado, Arenado, Travis, it's so funny. Devers. I, mean, I, I did I was going down that list of guys who I thought would be doing better. I didn't even get to Machado because he's not even on the first yeah, page. Yeah. If if I sort by Fangraph's war, he's Point not even two on, right now. He's not even on the first page. There's there's 30 names here and he's not even here as it's a crazy. top top 30 war at the position. Crazy stuff and 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 that's I mean imagine a bet you said you know Riley Devers Arenado Machado all gonna finish under a one war 60 games in I mean it's just imagine it's if I told you imagine if I gave you odds for none of those guys being all stars <laughs> yeah. star starting all stars I should say yeah yeah like yeah. right now right now it's looking like American League Chapman if not even Chap- all stars I mean yeah you're right even all stars e- yeah. even not even if not Chapman then maybe Jose Ramirez Josh Young could get uh consideration as a Ranger NL looking like could be Max Muncie other guys making noise uh Jammer Candelario and stuff. Yep. But Travis, one last note on the position. JD Davis for the Giants actually having a surprisingly great offensive year. I know he's always had the pop, um, but he is running into some contact this year with a 282 average, 366 on base, 483 slugging. Not elite of the elite, but a 133 WRC plus is very good. I think he gets some help there because of that ballpark is so hard to hit in in San Francisco. But Travis, the big thing for me. One of the weaker trades of last year's deadline was the Mets giving him up, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Darren Ruff. Uh, the Darren Ruff for <laughs> J.D. Davis trade, I think even the Mets gave up prospects in that process. But in my opinion, Travis, J.D. Davis was the better hitter all along, uh, even before the deal, even though he was slumping. J.D. Davis had this thing where he just was striking out a crazy amount, but when he does hit it, he crushes it. And this year he is hitting it. He's running into that contact. But Especially just in the Bay Area. I mean, d- d- just the rest a, of itself, yeah. D- just a quick 
uh, comparison. J.D. Davis, like I said, he's above a 130 WRC plus, probably around a 130 like OPS plus. Looking at the Mets, who just traded him last offseason, looking at their third base situation, Brett Beatty, Batty, I don't know how to say his name. <laughs> yeah. He is below 100 OPS plus. That's fine. He's a young prospect. Give him his time. Give him his reps. But this is a team that wants to win now. We know that much. Yeah. And he has not been contributing offensively too much. Another third base option the Mets have, Eduardo Escobar, 98 OPS plus. So below average hitter as well. Luis Guillorme, an infielder for them, a 68 OPS plus. So really just no... No quality third base options above average third base options for the Mets and meanwhile JD Davis is having a really great sneaky good year um after they traded him so and, and Darren Ruff the who they were got in the return for that trade I believe they already cut him so it just kind of goes to show what a bad deal that was for the Mets as they kind of struggle to keep above 500 here but Travis let's discuss shortstop now because that's where we had a disagreement um, I'll have to make a case for Wander. You'll have to make a case for Bo. Who, who's going to go first? I'll let you. Okay, sounds good. So I, of course, considered Bo Bichette here. He has all the makings of someone who deserves to be in this conversation. Wander Franco does lead barely in Fangraph's war. That's not the huge decision maker because, you know, we're just talking about a few decimal points there. Looking at some of the other stats offensively, I would give a bit of an edge to Bo Bichette. I think Bo, uh, you know, he's better batting average, slightly better on base, and uh, better slugging by about uh, 40 points. So uh, significantly better uh, power hitting from Bichette. But Franco brings this whole other component, in my opinion. He is one of the best uh, defensive shortstops. If I sort by Fangraph's defense, he's going to end up being fourth in baseball behind Bogarts, uh, Tovar on Colorado, and uh, Swanson in Chicago. And then if I sort uh, by steals, Travis, he has already 20 steals, which is going to be the most of any shortstop in baseball ahead of Bobby Witt ahead of Jorge Mateo the other speechers of the league Franco has them all beat so I do think that there's this completeness to Franco's game that kind of attracted me to him Bichette does have a decent amount of speed but not the stolen bases the glove I think has been pretty questionable for Bichette I think he had like a game losing error uh, about a few weeks back maybe three two or three weeks back um, the power is certainly special for Bichette and the contact has been great this season. I think he might be leading in hits. I'll let you make the case for him, but just for me, the completeness of Franco's game, I think the offense is a bit worse, but in my mind, it's just a bit worse. Mm -hmm. Only four fewer home runs. Uh, I think that kind of gets made up for by the stolen bases and the improved defense, but go ahead and give me your Bichette case. And if you kind of consider anyone else as well. Yeah, those are the only two guys I consider and, uh, Bobochet being the better offensive performer, uh, that's the main reasoning I went with him. Uh, the slash lines uh, all better, uh, you know, one almost a one fifty OPS plus. I mean, again at the shortstop position, very impressive with the batting average at a three thirty three. Uh, I think they're the only two guys in Major League Baseball right now, at least for the position players on Baseball Reference, at a uh, three WAR or higher. So, uh, like I said, Bichette's at a three point one. I think Wander is at a 3.3 or 3.4. So again, neck and neck right then and there. Um, 
it's it's uh it could be a fun battle i mean both those guys are in the same division uh they're they're big time rivals it could be fun down the stretch but biggest reasoning for me bichette being just such a uh such a great offensive player and performer uh that's why i gave him the nod pretty crazy i didn't realize this but he i mean the last, since 2021, he, I guess he, he he leads every year in hits in the American League. Yeah. Uh, something I did not notice is and that. And leading in MLB just, right now, right? He gets a lot of at-bats um, being in that leadoff or that second spot in the order and uh, just continues to rack up the contact. So uh, that, that's something that's kind of crazy to look at. And, of course, the power numbers are good every single season. It's playing at the shortstop spot. So um, Bo, for me, just a, a better offensive player. That's why I went with him. But, of course, understood why Wander Franco makes so much sense as well. Uh, he He's like that heartbeat for that Tim Bay Rays team right now. Yeah, he seems like he's their star. But, Travis, just like third base, this is also kind of a position where it's – the guys we expected are nowhere to be found. Yeah. Xander Bogarts is top five in Fangraph's war. His offense was elite in the first month, has really slipped this month. He's batting 257, which is very not like him, you know. Seven dingers for Bogarts, so um, maybe he's saving out for some power there. But right now, not hitting great at a 110 WRC+. plus. Lindor is somewhat in the mix, about an average hitter. Yeah. Um, decent power. 10 homers is pretty dang good for a shortstop, but um, the OP, the on-base is below 300, which is not great. Um, the, de- the defense will, of course, be good with him. But then, Travis, scrolling down and down, I mean, I get to Zach Neto, who we highlighted earlier at 17th in Fangraph's war, 17th among shortstops. Yep. Below him, guys like Trey Turner, yeah. <laughs> Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, guys who have much more prestige to their name. Of course, Correa and Turner being two of the premier uh, signings this offseason. Trey Turner and Correa, both significant negatives in terms of their offensive value, both below 100 OPS plus. Travis, a 72 WRC plus for Trey Turner. I don't know if he used all his juice in the World Baseball Classic I, I, uh, or I, what it exactly is. I don't think he's broken. I'm not saying that he's never going to be good again, but that contract might go horrendously unless things um, kind of revert uh, revert course here. He only has actually seven stolen bases, which even feels uncharacteristic for him. Maybe it's because he's not getting on base enough. Only 280 on the on-base category. Um, the slugging has not been great. Does have five homers, which is not abysmal, you know, but um, you'd expect better from someone who I think going into this season, both of us were considering for our top shortstop in baseball. I think he was mine. You may have had Correa. Yeah, I think. I but think bo- I bo- Correa, both yep, of them, yep, Travis, two. both of them, uh, <laughs> a bit of an embarrassing first two months, not living up to the contract. Um, I mean, Alex, I mean, Trey Turner had five home runs in seven world baseball classic games he has five home runs in 54 major league baseball games i mean not great for the phillies i mean god i mean i think philly fans and i I remember the day he came back from the classic and his first game back in spring training he had a home run everyone's like i mean i mean i I wonder how many people just put mvp money i was just gonna say i i really i really wonder the frenzy of everybody thinking lock it in now this guy is so 
red hot. He is going to be a star this year. We're going to see the best trade turner we've ever seen, and that's going to be uh, a high finish in the MVP voting. But I, again, I just cannot explain why it's just been going so badly and so poorly. I mean, the, the average at a 236 on base at 280. I mean, OPS only at a 650. I mean, a guy like that, you expect to be uh, always above an 800 OPS, and, and it's just not happening so far throughout the season. It could pick up uh, here and there, but again, it's, 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 like you said, it's a concern because they got this guy for, they signed him to what, 11 years. They're, they're truly paying him for the first five, maybe six years of the contract because you know the back half of that contract is just not going to go um very well I, I think he it was Sunday Night Baseball this last Sunday Night Baseball he made a crucial crucial first inning error ball just went right between his legs underneath his glove he doesn't really bring the best defense to the field um every given night and so that's one always one big concern but the base running and the offense is always a high for him but it, with with that not being intact this year I, I don't know what to make of him and, and a 0, 0.0 war so far I mean a 0.0 war. You tell Phillies fans that June 1st, a 0.0 war. I, I, they'd be like, did he tear his ACL? Yeah. Or not? I, I mean, again, the, this year, the, the, the theme and, 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 uh, the, the story of 2023 has just been superstars that are not, uh, being super. <laughs> so I, again, I, I can't explain some of these guys. There's a, there's a, there's a handful of guys that I can make, uh, that are, are, you know, on a hall of fame track that I, I just, don't know what to say about what they're doing this year but the, yeah. the last name i'll throw before moving on travis Corey seager he is my guy to watch going forward okay. okay i just think he was playing great all of a sudden got hurt if you look at his numbers he's only played 24 games of the you know 60-ish available he is a 156 wrc plus that is i believe it's the it is the best amongst qualified um shortstop so mm -hmm. he is you could argue he's the best hitter of the group um the defense is not amazing it's not terrible um but i think the, what he brings with the bat offensively i very much could see him um leading the charge for my all mlb shortstop uh in a month or two from now he just has to make up for the games missed to the injury if he does stay healthy I do expect him to be the best shortstop in baseball this mm -hmm. season. I think he will continue to benefit from no more shift. I think he's been hitting the ball very, very well. I think that he has a ton to contribute to that Texas team that's already hot. So um, just, just you know, little little uh, sticky note again. I think Muncie and Seager are my left side come July, come August. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see how things go, of course. But that, that's going to be my, my prediction, just trying to float that out there and get it in some people's minds. But, Travis, let's go to the outfield now. Looking at, you know, the way we do it, of course, top three outfielders don't care about right, left, center. Um, this one, I feel like there was two shoe-ins for me, and one became a bit tough. Um, I'll go ahead and start us off here. Okay. The two that were shoe-ins for me are Aaron Judge and Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I'll cover them both in a second here. But the third spot, a lot of debating, comparing stats. I ended up landing on my guy, Mike Trout. No surprise there to anyone who might think I'm a bit of a homer. But Travis, give me your three and then we will we will go. Yep, two easy ones, uh, Judge and Acuna. Uh, no questions about that. Uh, took a deep dive into Trout. 
Um, but to me, he has not proved it yet. Uh, I landed at Juan Soto, surprisingly. I, Alex, before looking at the stats, if you told me today, how do you think Juan Soto is doing this year? I, I would have said it's a train wreck. It's 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 not going well. Uh, great, great last month. But great last month. You're right. Uh, the the on base numbers have really picked up. Um, Slugging is kind of back at that 500 uh, percentage, which is you know kind of where where he's at. You know, having a cool 924 OPS. Uh, OPS plus numbers are great. That's where kind of Juan Soto is usually at. So he had to be my third outfielder um, so far right now. He is picking up the power, 10 home runs as well. Um, sucks leaving a guy like Trout off this list. Um, I think, of course, come end of year, the the list will and, and uh, you know, it, it could look different with with Trout. And, and he's been trending in a, in a good direction now in the past week or so. But uh, I went with Soto, Acuna, and Judge. Um I guess let's start with Judge and Acuna being those guys just sure. being such shoo-ins. Judge, uh, the past month, Judge has just gone on a, um, I'd say, I mean, the past two weeks. I think he had like seven home runs in like nine games or something like that. I mean, he's just been hitting the ball um, in, in such a powerful fashion. But a 2.4 war, uh, 18 home runs, batting just shy of 300, but a 410 on base. Slugging at a 679, uh, almost an OPS at 1100 and an OPS plus at 195. It's, it's almost looking like a, uh, a 2022 Aaron Judge right now, the way he's hit, hitting the ball. So he, of course, had to be on this list. Ronald Acuna Jr. being that he has just a freak of nature when it comes to the power, when it comes to the speed and the stolen bases. Um He's got himself some great numbers. The average is at a uh, career high this year so far at a 324 on base at a 406. And then the slugging, of course, just right where he's at, usually about a 550 um, is where he usually lands. And, uh, and and he's keeping all those numbers, a 960 OPS. Uh, the 23 stolen bases is what's, it's what's really impressive. Um, I mean, on track for 30-plus stolen bases this year, Alex. I mean, he could be looking at a 30-30 season. Um, uh, and that would be his second of his career, uh, going back to 2019. But, um, those are the easy guys. I think that we both definitely agreed with. And, uh, Juan Soto for me, I just think he's hitting better right now than Mike Trout. And that's the main reason. So, um, those are my three guys, but give me, of course, uh, you know, of course, talk me through judge and Acuna and then, uh, Mike Trout for, for your last pick. Yeah. So judge, like you said, the power surge has been real. Uh, he is proving why he was the best hitter last year at this very moment in time. He is probably the best hitter this year. Um, lots of time left, but the slugging at 679 is, uh, you know, Ruthie. And it's crazy to see a number that big um, in this kind of era right now. So mm-hmm. um, he's up at a he's up at a 479 expected. Well, but that might not mean something to some of you. But um, yeah, a 190 WRC plus. He's at a crazy, crazy offensive pace right now. The defense for Judge is a bit lower than I may have thought. It's it's it, it is negative, um, which is bound to happen for a corner outfielder. But um, I just ex- I just feel like maybe his 2017 through 19 range, he was kind of viewed as his Gold Glover. He still does have that ability to make those big plays. I think the, the the range might not be um, what it was, but uh, obviously the bat speaks for itself. So I'll move on to Ronald Acuna here. Acuna has been really impressive in my mind. Um, been actually limiting strikeouts by quite a bit. 
Um, only 13% of his at-bats are strikeouts. 11% of them are walks. So a nice ratio there for him compared to years past. Uh, one of his better offensive years, I would say. You mentioned the average is really good. The on-base also being above 400 is very good. 11 home runs, 23 steals. He's on great pace. Um, also having a, suspe- a suspiciously poor offense or defensive year, I should say, um, in outfield. But... Um, the bat is too good to ignore. Um, and then for this last spot, Travis, I looked at Mookie Betts, who yep. is going to play great defense, is going to be an above-average hitter, even though the bat's not been amazing for him. He's still a guy who walks a ton, puts the ball in play a lot, um, just makes good quality contact, and then just doesn't mess up in, in, in on defense. Has the versatility to play infield, apparently, uh, we're seeing this season. Randy Rosarena, Travis, I think it's a bit of a snub. We both left him off. I thought yep. one of us would include him. He's got a 162 WRC+. plus. He's got 11 home runs. Uh, he's been mismatching the ball. Over a 400 on base for Randy. He's someone who I always thought was more of a guy, like a little bit swing happy. Mm-hmm. No, he's had great discipline this season. I, I'm, I'm really impressed with, um, I mean, he's, 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 uh, 297 average he gets it up three points he'd be in the 300 300 average 400 on base 500 slugging a club so he would be in there if he just gets the average up three points so he's having a great year um and then soto travis of course i considered him as well soto's bat this season so far uh definitely slightly edges out trout um soto is walking over 20 percent of his at bats continues to be the most unreal phenomenon in the bigs today outside of shoyo tani being a crazy in his own way but i just feel like uh juan soto's discipline is probably the craziest thing um in the league that no one talks about enough in my opinion uh the the average being a 263 but the on base being almost 200 points higher at a 424 that is absolutely special right there um especially a guy as young as him um the biggest reason why i have trout instead of soto is i think that soto based on fangrass defense is one of the worst defensive outfielders in the league right now um that's just part of his package though because the bat is so special you cannot help but include him in the lineup he's ted williams i mean yeah (laughs) we've always loved that comp and he is sort of proving it if he can kind of be a bit more consistent with the average and power um but 10 home runs for soto 11 or sorry 13 for Trout, if we're making that comparison, um, Trout's defense this year has been well above average, in my opinion. If I look at the other guys who are like top ten in outfielder Fangraphs WAR, the only guys with better defensive scores on uh, is going to be Luis Robert, who of course is a defensive uh, superhuman, and then also better number from Betts, who of course is a perennial Gold Glove winner. So, um, you know, Trout has a better defensive uh, value than guys like Judge, Acuna, Randy. Uh, Josh Lowe here, Corbin Carroll even. So even other guys who you expect to be really good getting edged out by Trout. Um, a last couple of notes on why I, I kind of highly rate Trout. Um, I think we kind of compare him to what 
his standard has been, which is like, you know, almost a 300 average, over a 400 on base, a 550 to 600 slugging. So really have these high expectations for him. And he's not really meeting those expectations from his past this year so far, just at a 143 WRC plus. It's not in the top three, not in the top five, even for um, outfielders in baseball right now. But there's other kind of components to his game that I'm still really impressed by. Of course, he is still in the top five percentile for sprint speed, still one of the fastest players in the game today, still absolutely elite at laying off bad pitches, still elite at barreling up the baseball, hitting the ball hard, the exit velocity numbers, they're all great. The one, and and, and I will also add the outside of average is very good. Um, I think that the defense is, Maybe it's just a small sample size, but maybe it's kind of rebounding in a way that people thought it might get worse as he hits his 30s, early 30s, mid 30s. Maybe it's going to stay the same. And if so, because the speed's obviously sticking around, if he kind of keeps the jump um, in a good spot on the route running, then he could he could end up being um, a consistently good outfielder going forwards in center field. But um, the biggest hole in his game right now, Travis, consistently proves to be the swings and the misses you know balls in the zone he will swing through fastballs quite often he is striking out um, at a career kind of rate right now kind of walking at a career low just because he's having more trouble fighting off pitches in the zone and two strike counts it is a it is a bit troubling i would say it is not what you kind of want to see from your superstar hitter that being said, there are other weaknesses that are much worse. If he just started swinging at junk pitches in the dirt uh, at a crazy rate, that would be more concerning to me. But um, he's still good at laying off bad stuff. And when he does hit it, he hits it incredibly hard. He's still top, I think, like 15 OPS in the league right now. So I I'm not concerned about him long term. We might not get that kind of 2015 through 2019 uh, trout offensively going forwards but as long as we get someone who's going to be a top 10 hitter in baseball and he's playing center field at a good defensive value and he's also running the bases like one of the fastest guys in the league he will continue to be a top five player for me at the very least um so for me he makes my list i completely see the argument for soto and how he's been trending this last month but um I'm still impressed with Trout and some of the underlying numbers um, beneath his performance, but um, that was a lot there on Trout. Uh, th does that make some sense as to why I kind of leaned his way? You haven't given up on him, like Angel Angel Nation. Yeah, Travis, I, you and I, you and I love to just uh, get mad with each other and just complain about uh, people online. Uh, <laughs> one of our best hobbies, I would say, but yeah. um, people who who act like Trout's washed, Mike Drought. Just trade Otani now. They, I think Angel fans. No, it's trade Otani and then it's trade Trout to um, the Phillies. Phillies, and then we'll and we'll get in, Marsh like, back for some. We'll reason. get Marsh and like their best couple prospects back, which I mean that that just makes complete sense, right? I mean, and then yeah. I think Renfro to the Miami. The guy said, yep, but yep. Um, anyways, Rendon to. Uh, to yeah. I, I think it was yeah. Rendon to Phillies as well. They're going to take his contract, or maybe yeah. no. That, it was with Otani to the Mets. It, it was all stupid. Yeah. It was all stupid. <laughs> but I think Angel fans actually just actually hate Otani now. At least the ones Angel fans online, I should say, because they're just so uh, worried about him leaving that they want to act like, it, you know, we don't even want you. Like, fine, I don't care if you leave. Yeah, it's like yeah. you guys are such babies. Like, tough people. Yeah. Root yeah. for your freaking superstar who's putting up an MVP season. Let's make the playoffs. Yeah. 
Come on, Angel Nation. Yeah. But uh, Travis, let us keep it rolling before <laughs> we, we before we get too angry um, at the world. But um, looking at pitchers now, Travis. No, sorry, DH. DH, yeah. DH first. Travis. I feel like we're always saying his name. I think it has to be the guy. Jordan Alvarez. Okay, all right. Okay, good. You good, looked at good. me funny. Yeah. Um, I, I was not going to go show it. No, yeah, Jordan Alvarez <laughs> has been the best DH thus far. Splitting time in outfield as well, but um, he is just... There's just no one that close to him yep. in terms of production. Um, DH is getting funnier right now, given that the AL and NL both have DHs. I feel like more and more teams might not have an everyday DH. Like if I look at the DH leaderboards, like Jordan plays outfield and DH. Nolan Gorman is here listed as a DH, but he's playing equal second base and DH. You know, I look at Masataka Yoshida, he's playing outfield and DH. Um, Salvador Perez is listed here. He obviously catches a ton as yeah. well. So it's just kind of funny that a lot of these guys are not going to be full-time DHs. But, you know, there are still guys like J.D. Martinez who are playing well. Otani is a pure, pure DH. He's playing very well. Um, but I agree. We both agree. The numbers all point to Jordan Alvarez. Um, 14 homers, but just uh, a 580 slugging. He is mashing the ball. Not much question there, right? He's a superstar. Yeah, he's he, like you said, I think... I think I mentioned it's either earlier this year, maybe even last year in the season. I, I think I mentioned that your Don, it feels like is just becoming like not a hands down, but he, he is one of the, um, he's one of the best, uh, hitters. He's, he's in that top group by yes, himself. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he is one of the best offensive performers, um, like, so far the last couple of years. And, and that, that will be a fun future topic we can do is I, it'd be fun to kind of say who's in that top tier of hitters like how many guys yeah. are in the top level before you get to like a step below and i think that the two guys who have to be there no matter what are probably your don and judge yeah and then after Very that you, you after that you can debate trout maybe soto maybe on a good year otani maybe acuna but the locks the locks it feels like alvarez and yeah. judge and it feels like even otani's ceiling is like a 950 maybe like a 975 ops where it feels like alvarez and judge can get to a 1100 ops uh because they are going to get walked so much because their sluggings are just so high they both also hit for good contact um Shohei does, of course, have some swing and misses out of the zone. Um, there are some, you know, stretches of time where it, 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 the the, uh, the batting average and the on base do go down a lot. But uh, you're right about that. Judge and Jordan, for the better half of the last, you know, year and a half, have just been uh, the best, you know, hitters. It feels like uh, in Major League Baseball. But that covers our starting nine with the DH spot. Alex, let's jump into the starting pitching for the All MLB. Um, all started off with my five guys to uh, to round it out. Um, four guys that are uh, I think they actually were all my uh, all my rotation last month, but one guy that's kind of a surprise. But I'll kick it off. I will go Bryce Elder of the Braves, Sonny Gray of the Minnesota Twins, Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Spencer Strider back to the Atlanta Braves. Last guy was tough, but I, I just still like his numbers, and that's going to be Shohei Otani being the fifth guy of the rotation right now. Um, even though the control at times does get a little bit 
uh, is, is a little bit of a question mark and um, in, in what he does. And, and sometimes his first innings are a little bit sporadic, but he really does settle into the game. Those are my five guys. Alex, give me who you got for your rotation and we'll hit on our similarities and our differences. A lot of differences here. <laughs> a lot of differences, but that's okay. Um, first off, I'm going Zach Gallen. That's a, a okay. similarity there. So Zach Gallen has to be here for me. Then I go to Kevin Gosman, who I think has been a really special last couple starts. Um, third here, I have Nate Evaldi, someone who you didn't have. So wow, that's another okay. interesting difference. Spencer Strider, I have as well. He has to be here, in my opinion. Glad we agree there. Fifth spot, I was debating for a long time, and I had to go with Framber Valdez. Okay. He is someone who I've always... You know, he's not my flavor of pitcher. I'll just say it that way. I yep. think I've always loved the strikeout heavy guys. He is not really that. He's more of a weak contact, pitch deep into the game, um, consistency over ceiling, I would say maybe. But um, I, I'm impressed with some of the numbers I'll get into in a minute here. But let's start with the similarities, get them out of the way. We both agree on Gallon. He has been absolutely awesome. He leads Fangraphs War. He's at already three Fangraphs War Travis. He is on absolute NL Cy Young pace, in my opinion, if things kind of continue. Um, and I think what he's doing, it feels very legit. I mean, his his uh, FIP is lower than his ERA, so he could continue. Um, he can continue climbing down or climbing up on yeah. the ERA leaderboard. So um, he's at a 272 ERA. Um, and a good strikeout machine guy um, exactly you know, strikeouts per nine is over 10 over 10 k's per nine below two walks per nine both great figures to be at um overall just getting weak contact as well so he's uh been awesome the other guy we agreed on is spencer strider travis an absolute strikeout all-time freak of nature <laughs> he's at 15 k's <laughs> per nine yeah. if i sort uh on fan graphs, they have uh, the strikeout percentage leaderboards. If I strike, if I uh, sort by strikeout percentage, he's at forty-one point six percent of the guys he faces uh, get struck out. The next is Otani at thirty-five, so that's six whole percent worse. And then it's Hunter Green at thirty-two. So once you, besides the top three, uh, he is a ten percent above anybody else in terms of striking out the opponent uh, opposing hitters. Um, the walk stuff is not uh, not too bad either. It's not elite, but he does walk a handful of guys. But the uh, also the strikeouts minus walk percentage is a really key stat for predicting future performance. And he is ahead by a mile, Travis. So there's so much to like about what he's doing on the mound. I really don't even see a weakness, to be honest. I mean, he um, yeah. is just looking great. Any 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 advanced stat you want to look at. The ERA, ERA is great. FIP is great. Strikeouts are great. Sierra is great. Um, I mean, I could look at anything, and it's going to be impressive with mm -hmm. Strider. So, mm -hmm. anything to add on those two before we get into differences? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Gallon is is uh, is, is top notch, and, and it just feels like Spencer Strider. It just every single game, it's like if, if he does not get double digits and strikeouts, it's almost like a failure, uh, or it, it's a big surprise. I mean, he he's just been so. Uh, just consistently good in striking his opponents out, and uh, and the fifteen is just a it's a crazy number so far uh, to look at, and, and ERA being good as well, FIP ERA plus all being good as well. So uh, he was one guy that I feel like every single uh, month I'm, I'm almost looking at his numbers and and uh, just consistently making a uh, an all, uh, you know an all MLB starting five. So uh, easy two guys to get out of the way. 
I'll go ahead and start looking at the next three that I included okay. um, and make a case for them. And you can uh, respond with the cases for your guys. So I'll go with Nathan Evaldi. Not as much of a strikeout guy as I would usually that was like. surprising, yeah. Um, but the big thing that he has been doing great is he limits walks and he's not really giving up too much of the long ball. That may regress a bit here, but the 2-4-2 ERA... 253 FIP in my mind is really impressive. Getting a lot of ground balls as well. 52% of the uh batted balls he induces end up as ground balls. That's key for me. Also been a workhorse at 74 innings pitched. If I sort by innings pitched here, where does he rank? He ranks fourth in MLB in innings pitched. Only only two outs technically behind the leader, which is Shane Bieber. Um, and, and Eovaldi has one fewer start. So give him one more start to even things up and he will be the innings pitch leader for sure. Um, other things that are notable with his case, he's second in, in Fangraph's war for pitchers. Um, that looks at FIP as its main thing, whereas uh, baseball reference war looks at runs allowed per nine innings. So different calculation uh, pretty drastically. You're going to get a lot of different results in for pitchers in terms of which war you look at. Um, but Evaldi, I think, um, has a lot to like about getting weak contact, ground ball contact, and also um, avoiding the walks and the home runs. That kind of makes up for the lack of strikeouts, in my opinion. Uh, another guy I included, Travis, that um, might be surprising is Kevin Gosman. His ERA is above 3, at a 3.03, .03, um, which is higher than probably most all MLB candidates. I'm super impressed with his strikeout numbers, though. He is um, at over 11, almost 12 Ks per nine, is doing a pretty good job limiting the walks and limiting the long balls to some extent. Um, looking at his uh, Fangraphs war, he is third. He's at 2.4. He was also great in the Fangraphs war last year. And Travis, I don't, I don't want to sound like I am praising someone's downfall right but i will say i was i think i was right i think that last year i could not stop saying how i would take gosman over manoa i know yeah. and then this year manoa has had an absolute downfall so far and gosman has been the ace of their rotation um gosman is currently if i sort by strikeout percentage he is number four in strikeout percentage in all of baseball so i love that component of his game um, especially. And then the last guy I included, Travis, is Framber Valdez. He's not towards the top in strikeouts, um, not even at the top of ERA, really. But um, I think that there's a lot to like with what he um, is doing in terms of some of the other um, advanced stats that kind of predict future performance. He is number two in Sierra behind Spencer Strider. If I look at expected FIP, he is number... That's the wrong way. He is number one in baseball. So I just think that if I if I stick to my guns, Travis, if I'm being honest with myself and trying to get rid of my Otani bias, I would have to just slightly lean Valdez here. Even though I prefer Otani's profile, I would love to give up some more walks to get more strikeouts. I think it's a worthy trade-off. Um, I think that Valdez and Otani both have given up too many home runs to the point where it's gonna it's gonna come back a bit and they're both gonna see improvements here. But mm -hmm. Fermer Valdez at a two three eight ERA, it's very good. 
And I think um, a lot of the numbers that I'm seeing indicate that he will continue on that trend. There's not really a fluky start for him by any means. I expect him to be a top 10 Cy Young guy by season's end, no question about it. Even though I've always been sort of um, lower on him than, than most, I think that this year he's having one of his more complete starts to the season. So um, all that to say... He is, he is Mr. Quality Start. <laughs> Yeah, he was setting records for those stats last year, I believe, and he is not slowing down on that this year at all. We're going to face him tomorrow. The Angels are um, on Friday, and I am not looking forward to it. Hopefully our righty bats are ready to show up. But Travis— So that's what I call a little win-win for me, uh, having him in fantasy. I mean— <laughs> I think Otani's pitching, too. And you have him as well. So let's uh, let's get a zero zero ball game in the seventh. What do you how, say? How about a couple of no decisions? <laughs> would, 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 that, would that be painful? Five runs each. <laughs> Somehow they both got a loss. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. But but, yeah. Uh, but Travis, go ahead and make your cases for Elder Otani and who was am I missing? Uh, Sunny Gray. And Sunny Sunny Gray, of course. Yeah. I, I should have shouted him out. Um, I have him in fantasy. He's been awesome. Before you get into him, it's crazy. He's not allowed a home run yet. Alex, you're you're already reading my mind. What and, I was gonna and, turn out to, yeah. And you are gonna praise him in a second, yeah. And he deserves all the praise, but that's not sustainable. He's gonna start giving of, up a few course, more. Home I know, runs. of course not. Of course so, not. so, 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 please go ahead and with the praise on on those guys. If the season ended today, yes, Sonny Gray would have zero home runs allowed on the year, a sixty and one third innings pitch so far. Um, yes, like you mentioned, uh, uh, zero home runs. Um, and surprisingly, uh, Zach Allen had a 10.2 strikeouts per nine. Uh, Sonny Gray at 10.3, so slight edge on that, which is kind of just a crazy stat, even though um, it just feels like even Gallon has more strikeouts than Sonny Gray, but the percentage stats slightly do favor Gray um, over Gallon. But um, FIP numbers, uh, 2.19. He's got the best FIP in the American League. He has the best ERA plus in the American League, and he's got the best ERA at 1.94 in the uh, American League. So um, he's definitely looking at a, uh, a top three Cy Young finish right now. If you had to, uh, uh, if you had to end the season as as we are right now, but yeah, I mean, just a stellar start. He, I think he's one of the main reasons the Twins are are um, so uh, at such a such a high level so far this year. So huge props to Sonny Gray and the uh, the start he's been on. Bryce Elder, uh, again, the, the Braves every year just love to just introduce a new young prospect that comes in and makes a huge impact, uh, you know, time and time again. Bryce Elder right now, uh, most people don't know him. Uh, he has... Um, he started 11 games so far for the Braves, 65 and two-thirds innings pitched. Best ERA in baseball at a 1.92, just slightly lower than Sunday Gray. An ERA plus at 231. Um, the two numbers that, of course, are are bolded out and uh, and you know are italic as well, just to uh, to show the uh, show the viewer and the audience that you know he is MLB leading in those two categories. Uh, strikeouts per nine, not great. That's the one area that, you know, he does uh, have more innings pitched than strikeouts. So not a huge strikeout pitcher. Um, FIP numbers are, of course, a slightly bigger, but a 3.42 FIP is not going to be just a deal breaker. If he had a FIP in like the fours, maybe even like the fives, it, it, then it would be kind of concerning. But um, seeing that he's so uh, just been so you know efficient with the ERA numbers that to me um, that had to had to earn a spot on at least this month's 
um, or at least so far for the seasons, uh, you know, taught our top MLB, uh, all MLB teams. So he gave, I gave him the nod. I feel like there's always one guy who might give a nod to every single time we do this list where it's like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe he, I know he won't be here in the end or in a couple months. I kind of want to give him a shout out now. So he's going to make the list and rightfully so that's Bryce Elder so far. We'll see how the season finishes out for him. I, um, I, there was a big Twitter debate. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. There's a big Twitter debate. He is having the strangest season where the ERA keeps dropping, but a lot of the advanced stats look worse and worse. And, and, he is one of the guys who I, like you said, you give him his props now because he's pitching great right now. I really expect, um, I'll just put it this way. I think he's a good sell high guy. If you yeah. have him in fantasy, I would sell high. I do think that the Braves magic uh, continues to impress, but he is no like second coming of Spencer Strider or Max Freed. He, I don't think he's in that vein at all. Mm-hmm. He could end up being a quality guy, but um, I'm expecting him not to be on our top fives next month. I'll put it, I'll put, I'll put <laughs> yeah, it that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see that too, Alex. Um, last guy is Shohei. Um, is a strikeout machine. You know, he leads the American League with strikeouts. He's got the best strikeouts per nine in the American League. I think it's second best in baseball at 12.5. So again, um, just always cranking up the strikeouts. Uh, best uh, hits per nine in Major League Baseball out of 4.7. That's one thing you see with Shohei. Every single time he pitches, he might go six, maybe even seven innings. A guy's only giving up like two, maybe even three hits, and they're always, uh, I, I don't know, I, I feel like they're always kind of unlucky hits at some times. You know, I, I, I think he's just got such a, such a control for the game when he pitches that, you know, there's there's some er- uncharacteristic hits and maybe some home runs that happen. But when you look at the overall um, the overall sample size, I just feel like it's just such a masterful job when he pitches um, every fifth or sixth day. Um, yes, there are some control issues, but I was actually surprised with the whip being a uh, still under one. I thought that the walks might be a little bit higher than expected. He does lead uh, Major League Baseball uh, with hit by pitches. So he is uh, he, he's, he's throwing at guys a lot. So uh, it, it almost reminds me of kind of like a Dylan Cease of last year. Dylan Cease had great strikeout numbers, great ERA numbers. He just was a little bit uncontrollable at times, but he still finished, I think, in the top three for Cy Young. So I still give Shohei a nod right now at being in my rotation. Um, being probably that fifth guy in my rotation right now, there are some really good performers. Um, Shane McClanahan, like you mentioned, uh, Nathan Evaldi, uh, Framber Valdez, a couple other guys as well. But um, I give Shohei the nod right now. I feel like it's like we 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 really there's been a couple of starts and even Twitter, like you mentioned, is just all over him and and, and you know this guy is not worth you know the five hundred million dollars that he's going to get paid. You know we need to trade him now, but it's just like we're. we're we might even be seeing kind of a little bit of a rough patch of Shohei, but it's still dominant pitching, which again, it's literally MVP caliber yeah. is his rough spot. When, yeah. when, when, when he's pitching at his best, it is, it is better than any pitcher in the game right now, uh, hands down. And, 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 and he has numbers to back that up, but that is my rotation, Alex. Um, some wild cards, like a Bryce elder. Uh, I think also for you, I mean, I mean, I feel like May was just the month of Nathan Eovaldi. I think he had like, did he have like two complete games or two complete game shutouts? I felt like, I think he had, it was dominance. He he had some stats like complete games that were really surprising. Yeah. As someone who is hoping the Texas Rangers slip in the standings uh, for personal reasons, it was painful seeing (laughs) how often MLB was posting out his stat lines of just, uh, obliterating op- opposing offenses, not allowing any runs scored, going eight innings, going nine innings. So, uh, 
that he's that guy and he was a free agent and Texas was wise to jump on him and give him uh, that contract that they did. They were. Um, yeah. I don't have uh, any other complaints about your list besides, you know, I already said about Bryce Elder, but I think uh, Sonny Gray as well as Shoyo Otani, I both were heavily considering and they deserve to be mentioned in this conversation. So um, as always, starting pitching, it ends up being we have to pick five each. There's always 10 guys, maybe more, that could have made the cut. I still look at guys that we haven't even mentioned. Uh, a guy like Mitch Keller, Travis, the ERA is at 3.25, but he is striking out guys at a great clip over 11 Ks per nine, limiting the walks by quite a bit as well. Um, a lot to like with Mitch Keller's season so far. Um, Hunter Brown, also a strikeout machine. Um, Logan Webb's ERA is down to a 275. Like there's just guys all over the place with great numbers. Luis Castillo at a 269 ERA. I mean, I could just go on and on with guys that deserve to be in the conversation. Um, and and we only pick so many, right? So um next month I could totally see a completely different group. Um McC- McClanahan, how many innings pitched is McClanahan at? He's at a 207 ERA. Not sure. <laughs> I got to figure this out. But anyways, well, he's at um, 69 innings pitched. That was pretty good. Yeah. How is he not higher on the leaderboards? I guess he, let me see. He, hmm. That's pretty crazy. I'm not sure I didn't mention him yet. But yeah, 207 ERA for McClanahan is absolutely elite Um, in that regard. The FIP That's is a bit. I felt bad leaving him, leaving him off. Oh yeah? yeah, you should have told me, Travis. But but <laughs> someone would have covered him, yeah. But but the FIP uh, is a bit higher. Either way, he's obviously elite, Travis. Let's keep it rolling here. Um, we always uh, finish this out with our closing pitcher. This is a tricky one for me. Just like starting pitcher. Really? You you have it locked up? Oh, it's it's a complete lock. I know who you're gonna say. I'm almost hundred percent. I'm gonna say someone different. You want to bet? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'll take your money if you want me to. I'll go first. Go ahead. All right. And then I'll surprise you. Uh, yeah, the best closer in the game, um, he is Edwin Diaz of this year. It is Felix Batista of the Baltimore Orioles, Alex. We are seeing, um, I looked up I even Edwin Diaz's numbers of last year. Edwin Diaz finished the year with a 1.31 ERA. Felix Batista of the Baltimore Orioles is at a 1.33 ERA. So just like that, identical. The big number is, and this is what I like in closers and uh, in finishing the game up, he's at 18 strikeouts per nine. So he is coming into the game and automatically striking out two of the three batters so that they can't do any sort of damage on him, uh, you know, hitting home runs, hitting extra base hits, or hitting even a base hit. But uh, last year... Edwin Diaz was at a 17.1, I believe. So again, um, sample sizes are completely different, but I'm just so impressed with what he's been able to offer. That, what is it called? Bowling ball splitter. It's That's uh, what I call it, dude. It's absolutely it's, crazy to see. It, it, I mean, we've seen so many swing and misses on that so far this season. Um, it seems like it's unhittable. Uh, he, he's, he, the, the, the Orioles bullpen right now we we hit on them i think a couple weeks back but they they're they're looking really strong it almost feels like if these starting pitchers could get um get to the fifth or sixth inning uh without allowing you know a ton of runs it just seems like the orioles bullpen is just going to be uh finishing the game up you know nicely and 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 that's a dub for the for the orioles but uh 
give me who you got on that reliever uh, question. Yeah, so Batista Travis, in my mind, he is the long pick. He is the pick for the season, in my opinion. I think he will be here um, at the top of the mountain uh, at the end of the season. But right now, for through the first two months, I am going with the guy who was dominant last year, Edwin Diaz, his brother. Oh. <laughs> Trick question. Yes, don't worry. I am aware that Edwin like, Diaz saying, is man? not pitching. His brother, Elias. I think it's I think it's pronounced Alexi. Never mind, that's another uh, Diaz. <laughs> um, a catcher for the Rockies. Um, Alexi Diaz is currently at 13 saves, so he's one behind Batista, but he's on a much worse team and he gets much fewer opportunities to get mm-hmm. those saves. Um, he is at over 17 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, he's given up no home runs, and Bautista has given up a few. So that's something that, in my mind, will stabilize. That what I'm saying is, it will Bautista will benefit going forwards because Diaz will give up a home run here or there yeah. that will add a couple points to the ERA. His ERA uh, for Diaz is at a 1.69, um, but the FIP is at a super human level 1.13. Um, the expected FIP, expected ERA, it's all better than anyone else at the position. Um, at the moment, I do think that there's going to be some regression when he gives up a couple long balls here, um, maybe blows a couple saves here and there. But I do think that what he's been able to do with the opportunities he's been given has been as good as anyone so far in the season. Um, we both love the absolute strikeout machines in uh are closers and Diaz has been pretty much as good as anyone. If I sort by strikeout percent, Travis, he is striking out 48.8% of batters faced. That is such a crazy clip. In my opinion, it leads baseball. It leads Felix Batista by only 0.6%. So they're honestly quite similar by a lot of numbers. Um, But Travis, if you didn't even care about strikeout percentage, and you just wanted to convert outs. Another guy on your team, the Orioles, um, you picked Bautista from, I think you have him in fantasy, yep. Yanier yep. Uh, Cano, gotta I believe his name is. Gotta, gotta sell high, yeah. I don't know. I think that, I mean, if you wanted to sell high, you definitely could. He's got a crazy... Nobody likes to trade my fantasy group, so... That's true. Uh, we both experience the pain that comes with a league that does not like to have fun on on the on the trade on the trade waivers. But yeah. Travis, no, I will say that Cano was allowed no home runs, so that could regress. But the ERA at a point nine three, yeah, a big a, a big reason for that is he's got at a sixty five ground ball percentage. And Travis, we watched him pitch against the Angels. He just throws a sinker fast at your knees. There's nothing you can do about it. Like you're, if you're going to hit it, it's going to probably be on the ground. That's why he has that great ground ball percentage. Um, is so good at limiting homers and limiting runs um, as a whole. Limiting walks as well in a great way. Not getting the strikeouts necessarily, but is being dominant in his own way. So, Travis, there's lots of guys in my mind that you could pick from here. Um, Hater's ERA. Hater is someone who we pick almost every year. He's at a 1.61, so he's in the conversation. Alex Lang on Detroit is at a 1.16 ERA. Just lots of fun names all over the place. Travis, Caleb Ferguson on the Dodgers has been great too. It also comes down to how much you care about saves versus setup man. But Travis, before we close this segment, I'm going to shout out one more name as my guy to watch in the next couple months. Do you know who that's going to be? Carlos Estevez. Same team. 
but wrong guy. Ben Joyce. Ben Joyce, Travis. I think that Ben Joyce, what he's done, I think he's had two outings. Is that right? Two or yeah, three? Yeah, today, tonight, and uh, the one against the White Sox, and they've both been stellar. So, Travis, I have a couple numbers here. He threw, he has thrown 21 fastballs in MLB games this season in his two outings. None of them have been below 100 miles an hour. They have all been triple digits. The average speed is at a 101.5. That is something that I'm not sure. Lock him up. <laughs> I'm not sure many teams have that kind of weapon in their bullpen. Um, as a reliever, there's always going to be some ups and downs, some inconsistency, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing in that regard from him. Um, if I look at some of his other, uh, I guess, notable kind of things I can comment on, he struck out Jordan today, Travis, on three pitches, 103, 101, 102 miles an hour. I think that it's going to take a lot of time for MLB hitters to figure out his fastball. It's really all he's throwing. He also does have a slider. I believe he threw it against the White Sox once or twice. I think it was only fastballs today against the Astros. Once people figure out his fastball, if they can get a, more of a piece of it, I think it will uh, begin to turn into this slider mix-up game that uh, has batters completely thrown off as well. So I am expecting him to be quite difficult to figure out for these hitters mostly because that fastball is going to be so hard to catch up with and once you finally are able to sit on it he'll start using the slider a bit more probably uh and just mix you up mix you up that much more so um he i mean he made altuve look foolish he got your don in three pitches the last one was at this check swing outside of the zone but your don an elite hitter knew he had to respect the speed of that pitch but other guys have great gas too like felix batista um amongst many others so i expect them to be putting pressure on a guy like ben joyce but ben joyce in my mind travis if he can replicate his first two outings going forwards he's going to be untouchable because uh, guys just have not been able to do anything with his fastball I, i've never seen anybody throw back-to-back pitches at 104 you know and, and almost keep it consistently we're getting into this new age of of the heater it feels and, like and, alex and, and I, I can't explain it no. he's at a bit of a lower arm slot he's not right over the top and it he throws it like he's skipping a rock almost and, you know and and it has a bit of run on it whereas i, I saw someone angel fan you know this could just be eye test and there might not be anything to this but the eye looks like when you look at his pitch from Tennessee when he was drafted it looks like there's a bit less run it's a really straight laser yeah. but watching the last two outings with the Angels there's like this kind of running action almost sinkerish I think Stackhouse does call a sinker a, it a, just a, that's pretty scary yeah. it, it, the, the having having movement on over a hundred that's every single fastball is over a hundred consistently it is special. I know he's already had Tommy John too. So yeah. hopefully if he can stay healthy with that arm at this kind of velocity, I mean, a weapon for years to come. So I'm just saying, keep your eyes on him. If he's available in your fantasy league, I can see the angels. I mean, I wouldn't say just Adam right now because there's still a lot, a long road ahead of him um, in terms of proving himself in the MLB. But the angels have had some bullpen troubles with some of their guys. Some of their guys have been cut. Some of their guys have been demoted with all that in mind. He could rise up the ranks to being setup man, even closer by season's end, um, just depending on how the rest of the bullpen shakes up. But I see him being used in hold situations and save situations at some point this year. 
Um, and I expect the ERA to be good. So you know you're good when your FIPS in the negatives. I mean that's that's pretty special, yeah. I'd say, and that <laughs> that goes to show um, how good he's been in a really small sample size. But I think the stuff numbers on his fastball, yeah, it's insane. Are 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 tops of MLB? Obviously, need that sample size to grow a bit. But keep your eyes on Ben Joyce, folks. He's going to get a lot of coverage, I think, too, just because throwing that fast is crazy. But Travis, that wraps up the players we had to discuss. Now we need to get into our player of the month. I'll let you go first on that one. My player of the month. This one was a lot of back and forth, and I ended up landing on Freddie Freeman. I was surprised that I didn't opt for another guy who has been red hot with the homers. But I think what Freddie has done um, this month has been really uh, special. I'm pulling up his numbers here, just isolating May in and of itself. But overall, I think that uh, he just had his streak where the balls in play are just uh, simply landing where they ain't, as they say. But if I isolate May here... Alex, why are you struggling? Um, let's see here. So if I isolate May here on fan graphs and I look at these numbers, he has a 212 WRC plus in the month of May. It is only worse than Aaron Judge, who obviously deserves credit. But the one thing about Freeman is he played 28 games in the month. He has 132 plate appearances in the month. So he was, in my mind, a bit more of like the man of the month. Um, he had a 400 average in the month. I mean, he was he has like a Ted Williams slash line in the month. 400 average, 462 on base, 722 slugging. Over a two war from a first baseman is pretty incredible for just one month of baseball. I am strictly going off you know, the, these 31 days of performance, I think that, you know, guys like Judge and Soto and stuff who have been red hot um, will continue to kind of uh, take strides that might surpass Freeman's season offensively. But I think what Freeman has done um, in May has been special. But go ahead and give me your guy. Yeah, and, and you mentioned already uh, Aaron Judge is going to be my guy. Uh, was on an IL stint uh, late April and on to early May. So he actually... Um, his first game back was May 9th. Uh, so he missed the first eight days of May um, in, in, in terms of uh, playing time. But um, in those uh, games, he had tw- 21 games so far in the month of May, 12 home runs in May so far. Um, he basically had uh, uh, almost a one-to-one ratio when it came to walks and strikeouts, uh, 20 walks to 25 strikeouts. Uh, the percentage stats are absolutely stupid. Um, you know, 340 batting average, 475 on base, an 880 slug. Uh, that game of third, basically an OPS north of 1350 on the month. I mean, it j- just a, uh, I like the term you used a couple or earlier in the podcast, Ruthian. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, a Ruthian type of month where, um, it just feels like every single time you're making contact with the ball, it's going to leave the ballpark or it's going to go in the gap for an extra base hit. So um, judge, I mean, it, it, it's, it's funny how when he, when he, when he left the lineup late April, I think the Yankees might've even been in last place. And uh, it was, having, it was tough for them having judge not in the lineup and he wasn't even off to the best start. Uh, he was, you know, he had an OPS at eight sixty three which is nowhere near Aaron Judge territory. And uh, 
month of May has now picked it up to a uh, basically a 1088. So he has seen a 200 point increase in his OPS in just 21 games, which is just outstanding. It's 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 really remarkable. But um, Judge for me is my player of the month. He's just adding on to uh, to being that that big competition for Shohei Otani. It'd be really fun to see down the stretch if Judge and Otani will be those two guys um, battling it out for the American League MVP. Now that the voters have seen an MVP season of Otani and Judge, it, it's funny to see, you know, who, who who really wins that clash now. You know, last year was all about the history that Judge offered. And yes, he had a historic season. That was that was awesome to see what he did. But you really can't match the value that Otani brings night in and night out with DHing and starting um, a, a, on the pitching mound, uh, you know, every fifth or sixth day. So, uh Again, it'd be fun to really see how the voters would judge that um, going into, uh, you know, down the stretch in the MVP, MVP voting if it does stay um, consistent like this in August and September. But Judge is my guy uh, so far. that The power has been unbelievable for the last 15 months or so. So that, that, that that's my pick right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the two guys that have been uh, big names for the last, you know, seven, eight years, you know, we – Sometimes these players of the month are always guys you don't really hear about, but uh, they're, the, they're, they're staying consistent. Yeah, the big names uh, came out to play in May. Other guys, you know, Juan Soto, someone else who's consistently um, is in the kind of the, the news headlines. He had a great month as well um, himself. Uh, and it's also funny, since the season is so young, um, those guys going off in just one month allowed them to kind of catapult towards the top of the war leaderboards. Um, Freddie Freeman actually leads baseball in Fangraphs War, which is quite surprising uh, in my opinion. But he is such a true pure hitter, um, you know, average on base slugging every year that it wouldn't surprise me to see him at the top of the first baseman rankings uh, by season's end. But yeah, Travis, that pretty much does it um, for this. I'm just kind of looking at the war leaderboards here as we kind of fade off in the episode, but I'm wondering who my MVP picks would be right now. Yeah, I, um, especially the National League is tough. The American yeah. League, you're just having a Judge Otani conversation again about Judge being the best hitter and then Otani being a guy with just insane value doing the yeah. both things. We I, don't have to get into that whole thing, but I'm probably leaning Acuna right now in, okay. the, uh, in the National League. I just think that um, it's really it's really up for grabs right now, and I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, there's probably going to be a lot of voters this year that are looking at guys like that. Maybe even Soto, um, he could be a really good, uh, you know, competitor with that. But I think that um, there's so many years. I think when, you know, Acuna went out with the uh, the torn ACL, voters were probably thinking, ah, this, this was, that was the year. We, we, we were really going to give it to him because I think he was leading in all polls for uh, to, to win that MVP. But uh, if he can do it again and, and stay healthy this year, I think that most fans would be um, – definitely looking to give him that especially i think a lot of fans really like the whole uh, aspect of like being a 30 30 player which i mean that's great 30 home runs is, is a good season and 30 stolen bases is is really good as well but i feel like there's that aspect that people might think you know that's history you know or something like that you know but also being on a great team like the braves um that is also a big factor as well. I think the voters also look at the winning aspect. I, I saw Sean Murphy even getting some nods as well. I think Sean Murphy is getting uh, uh, some recognition, at least from the from the writers, of being a possible MVP, uh, a player in there. But again, I I don't 
I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun conversation. Uh, looking at some of the other names here, Freeman, Travis, I will say that I don't think we were wrong at the time, but when they kind of essentially swapped Olsen for Freeman, we said this is a, the correct long-term move. You're getting the guy that's going to be better for the rest of the decade as opposed to just who's better right now. But I will say Olsen has been good, but Freeman has been phenomenal ever since he joined mm-hmm. the Dodgers. The Braves, I, I, I don't think that they, you know, really, really, really miss him because, of course, that they still were um, a playoff team last year and they're going to be a playoff team again this year most likely. But having him at first base for that team that's playing amazing in Atlanta right now, um, Freeman has a 170 WRC+. plus. I mean, he's leading the National League, if I'm not mistaken. And, and looking at some of the other um, components to what he's done as a Dodger, I mean, he had... Travis, he had arguably his best season of his career last year. By Fangraph's war, it is mm-hmm. the best. And already he's on track to do better this year if he keeps it up. So I don't really know what to make of it, why he's having a a renaissance in his early going into mid-30s. But that's just how the Dodgers do things, I guess. They know how to get the most out of these guys, even if they're already superstars when they're arriving. So, um, you know, I do like Matt Olson a lot. But what Freeman's doing at the plate... I say the Braves, you know, maybe they should not have let that go down the way it did go down. Maybe having Freeman uh, finish out his career in Atlanta would have been the better move. Um, I do know, I I do understand why they went younger um, and got the extension for Olsen. It does make sense, but, and they didn't give up that much in the trade Mm -hmm. as we saw Pache didn't really pan out for the A's. So all that being said, um, there's a lot of fun names. I like the Acuna thought uh, that you mentioned um, also for the AL, what what would have to happen for Franco to really get the consideration to compete with a judge season like he's having right now and the Otani season like he's having right now? What, would Franco need the eight to raise to get like a hundred and like ten wins? Would that help him a I mean, ton? Yeah, the, the Rays got to keep winning. I mean, I think that winning the division in, in a year where the Yankees the um, the Blue Jays were just the heavy favorites to win the division and the Rays kind of sneak in. I think that's going to be one big factor, which again, sucks when you have to look at winning baseball games as, is, you know, going to factor you winning an individual award. But I think also with, with, uh, with Franco, um, I mean, 20 steals right now. What if yeah. he, what if he finished at like 50 steals? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, 25 homers. What would have to happen there? I, I mean, yeah, being a switch hitter with, yeah, like you said, 50-plus stolen bases and, and you know, 25 home runs. and then you Gold glove, at, maybe. Yeah, gold glove, and you could look at the war being, you know, somewhere up by, like, a nine-something, um, which could happen right now because he's at a 3.4 baseball reference war. He could still kind of keep on progressively getting better as the season goes on. OPS somewhere in the 900s. I mean, there, there's a lot of different factors, I think, and, and that'd be another conversation with looking at, what Otani offers, what Judge offers, what Franco offers, you know, Franco being the shortstop and shortstop is a huge position in the game. Um, putting together no, those numbers, that would be a, uh, like, like I mentioned, that would be a very tough job for a uh, for an MVP voter right there because do you, you go for the unicorn and Shohei? Do you go for the, um, 
the 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 power of of Aaron Judge, or do you go for the all around you know um, skill set of Wander Franco? So on the winning team, on right? the winning it's, team that's that's beating out Judge, you know. And there's going to be so many beat writers they're going to talk and on you know state radio station analysts they're going to say you know well Franco's on the winning team and he beats Judge every single year, so or you know their their team beats Judge every every series, and so you got to give it to Franco. But uh, it'd be a fun conversation. It's definitely a uh, it's fun to look at between the AL and the NL, uh, the MVP uh, races, and 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 see kind of where they're at. Going back to Olson, Alex, I will say, yes, Freeman is better, but there's just a part of me that I, I don't know. I feel like Olson, since he's joined, he's he, he has not been as good as Freeman, but I feel like he's maybe like tied this team into a more complete. Um, Organization. I don't want to say organization, but he just he just he just tied this. Uh, you, like, you like the fit. I like the fit. I I, I like the fit. And, and honestly, right now I look at the Braves and they're just such a uh, they're such a scary team. Um, last year they were the top two in the National League. They got a buy first round. It did not help them. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the in the division series. But I just I look at them this year and, and they're they're one of the most, in my opinion, they're probably the scariest team in the National League. The pitching staff is stellar. The offense is stellar. I watched them put up, they put up seven runs in the first inning against the Phillies on Sunday night baseball last week. Um, they, they just are a, a very good and almost feels like complete team when everybody's healthy. So again, there may be some hard feelings with the whole Freeman uh, dilemma when that whole free agency thing happened and you know how I think the GM handled everything and you know, just letting Freeman walk and not really offering him the money that he wanted. Uh, that might hurt some fans, but I feel like they're also happy with winning these games. When they won the World Series and they won 88 games, they did not have a good regular season and they still won the World Series. But I feel like the last couple of years, or at least last year, and it should be this year, I think the Braves are a team that's you know going to be flirting with 100 wins almost every single year uh, just because of that talent that is on the, uh, is, is on the team. So I don't know. It, it's, it's, it, it could be a stupid kind of... Uh, it could be a stupid point or a topic to bring up, but I just think that sometimes these players might tie the team together uh, better than, you know, guys with more talent. I think that the chemistry could be a big factor in uh, in getting some of these teams to, you know, elevate the playing field with everybody on the team. But that's what I have to say about that. I just feel like with Olsen, he's kind of tied the team together. And, and I do think looking at his numbers at the moment, he is well on his way to surpassing his numbers last year the on base is quite a bit better the slugging is quite a bit better uh the wars he's already halfway towards matching his fangrass war from last year and we're you know we're two months in so i could definitely see him surpassing that hopefully for the braves looking uh like a like a oakland a's matt olsen back in like 2021 uh 2019 he had some really great years so speaking of oakland uh last weekend they had won their first series in uh Woo! in the 2023 campaign they beat the atlanta braves on an awful austin riley error <laughs> I, two I, of three at the coliseum against the braves i mean talk about i i i, that, I can't explain that one i i, I, I don't I, know how you take two or three against in my opinion the best team in the national league in atlanta yeah i saw a funny like Atlanta reporter, beat writer, something or other, radio guy, something. He tweeted something to the effect of like, if you think that Austin Riley isn't one of the 
better defensive third baseman just because you look at like the war number then you're not watching baseball or something like that and then like that game he like had an arrow that lost the game and everyone was like of course it let that guy up because like <laughs> just 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 absolute just comedy of timing right yeah, there but yeah um it, it, it's it's the Braves, uh, you know, good teams lose to bad teams yeah. in baseball. Yeah. That is how the game goes over 162. But, Travis, that pretty much wraps us up here. A hundred episodes in the book. We have officially made it the big time, and hopefully we People continue to grow. Um, Travis, uh, thank you for uh, joining me on this journey together and I'm excited for what's to come. So if you made it this far listeners, we appreciate you so much and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by tool tools podcast. <laughs>